0: Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League Draft. And with the first round pick, God Elway, Jim Kelly. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round pick, Dan Marino, 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 Marino. 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 And Marino. NFL Draft. And with the first round pick, Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the
1: show was going to take me. I would have asked for so much money, that I had to put me on L. a Welcome back to the NFL draft. draft. Good young players with the drafts all about You're in and you're out. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round, Aaron Rodgers, hey. welcome back to the NFL Draft. i never say anything like this.
0: Well, we'll find out if we will see anything like this in the upcoming draft here. This is the normally the heater podcast uh, bringing you uh, baseball content all year long. But this is a trip down memory lane, uh, a weird one. Uh, it has been now a full year. Uh, that we have done these uh, podcasts, and it all started in the middle of quarantine. The NFL Draft coverage was part of our uh, social distancing edition, uh, and uh, now we're back for a second round of NFL Draft coverage. Both uh, Corey Peeper and myself are uh, big uh, NFL Draft fans, uh, have been for a long time. Uh, Corey's uh, obviously more of a, a college uh, uh, football follower, and so bringing that insight and knowledge into this uh, as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah. What do you want to say about, uh, we're now approaching year two, uh, for all of this, uh, podcasting fun. Doesn't it seem like 2020 lasted for
1: 17 years? So it does not seem like it's only been a year since we talked about this.
0: I I, I would agree with that. It is, uh, uh, it feels like we're wandering the, the, the 40 years in the desert all wrapped into one. (laughs) It is, uh, it's good though. I,
1: you know, I love talking about the NFL draft. I, like you said, I love college football. It's one of my favorite things. So, to get an opportunity to go watch some of these guys uh, about a, what are we less than two months until the draft. It's the end of April, so a couple months yet, but get an early watch on some of these guys, and then when it gets closer,
0: we'll do a mock draft, and then we'll recap it. Yeah, this is going to be still part of the the weirdness of everything. is still going to linger into the rest of this offseason uh, because we're also dealing with uh, you're not having the, the combine. You're not having uh, the, the way that scouting would be done uh, for doing the the measurements and things, all that is different this year. We were lucky to even have a senior bowl. Yeah. So do we know?
1: We know that there's no combine. We just talk, you just said that. Do we know if they're going to do the virtual draft? Are they doing it in a spot? Has that been decided yet? I don't think that's been decided yet. Yeah. Because it was uh, it was pretty late last year, and they decided to do it from Roger Goodell's
0: basement. And it, with it the M and M's, turn out uh, oh, pretty fine. well. I kind of uh, like so it. So if if they do that again, because uh, again, otherwise you're looking at. Uh, uh, Radio City Music Hall, uh, and, and that I don't think that's going to be available for fans in the same way that it has been. Uh, they've already now had one year of experience of doing the, the virtual, so they'd be set up to do that if they wanted to. It was kind
1: of fun. I said I, it was it was interesting. I remember watching texting you about it last Cliff year. Kingsbury's home clicks Kingsbury's home and uh, Roger Goodell's M and M's that slowly dropped through the course <laughs> of the night and then refilled <laughs> each day. And so it was it was kind of fun to see all those different guys in their different different situations. Now we're a little more experienced with COVID, so you never know. Maybe they they, they can get together, right? Masks and social distancing and some of that stuff. Maybe it could be in a location, but you're probably not going to have as many fans. We haven't seen. Fans fully fans in any situation now in a year, and it doesn't seem to be getting to the point where we're going to have full fans at necessarily anything in a little bit.
0: Potentially by fall, uh, that mm-hmm. could be uh, be changing. But even then, I still think we're looking at uh, capacity is going to be a little bit different. What max capacity is is going to be a little bit different uh, for at least a little while moving forward. Uh, To give an idea of what we're looking at here, so again, last year we did an NFL uh, draft. Uh, We did a preview uh, and did our mock draft, and then we did a recap after the draft happened. Uh, Those things will still be happening, but we're expanding our our coverage to include our big board. Now that we're two months away from uh, the NFL draft, this is going to be a chance to look at who are the, uh, the top players at each position. We're going to take a look at those uh, players here today and give you kind of a preview, get you uh, an appetite wetter for uh, what is coming in the next uh, two months. Uh, We're going to first take an opportunity, though, to talk major NFL storylines that will impact the NFL draft, as well as uh, uh, we will do revisionist history, a walk down memory lane from our first uh, uh, mock draft from last year's draft class, uh, what we liked from that class, what we got right. Uh, and different uh, tidbits to go along with that. So why don't we kick that off as we look at last year's draft. What is your overall thoughts on it now that we have a year of play to go with it?
1: So these guys had it as hard as any rookies are ever going to have it. They didn't get a training camp. They didn't have a rookie mini camp. They did, but it was all virtual. Which you know, virtual stuff has sort of become the thing of the times here. But it's not quite the same to no, be no pre-season learning it. to
0: even try to work out the kinks or get yeah. some of those things going.
1: So these guys had were up against it, and some of them thrived. We're going to talk about some of these guys that had great rookie years. Uh, Justin Herbert was much better than I think I thought he was going to be in year one. He came in, seemed much more polished for the Chargers and. He didn't have a great winning record, but they were close in a lot of games solely because of him.
0: Let's let's talk right there. That was probably the biggest one from the, the top ten, the quarterback uh, situation. Justin Herbert coming in was seen as more of a, of a project. He fit all of the physical check marks. He looks like uh, a quarterback. Then he pulled a Josh Allen in year one. Uh, Josh Allen put all the tools together, and it clicked in the the second year with him. Uh now with uh, Herbert came in right away with it. Now of course he comes into the perfect offense for him. You have a legit number one receiver in Keenan Allen. You had Austin Eckler. You have Hunter Henry. This was a very good fit for him to come in. Uh, a fluke injury to uh, Tyrod, and uh, and that brought him in, and, and he took over the reins uh, the rest of the way. Uh, thoughts on Justin Herbert being more ready? Uh, than what anyone anticipated and then how do you view his year two like you said he he came from the Oregon offense we thought it was a spread option and he
1: and and you did you could I watched plenty of Justin Herbert the last couple of years where he was up in Oregon he would find that first read if it was open he'd hit it big arm huge arm and then if not he could tuck it and run extremely athletic like you said he looked great I didn't see him going through progressions at Oregon he got to the Chargers and it worked for him now year two they have a new coach Anthony Lynn got fired. They have hired Brandon Staley to be their new head coach at, at the Chargers. But Austin Eckler's back. Uh, Josh Kelly looked pretty good last year. He was a rookie too, coming out of UCLA. Keenan Allen's still there. I, I don't know why the Chargers should be expected to win more games. They they're going to have a pretty early pick. They this were always year, close. But They should win more games. Yeah,
0: I, I think when you look at the the numbers in terms of the most losses by seven points or less, they were up at the league leaders with that. That was the most frustrating thing about it is that they were close. Uh, but the wins didn't come. You're looking for that second-year jump to uh, to take place. What people have been looking at, and this was done from the start, and I know as an Alabama guy we're going to talk about this, but uh, Herbert over Tua, you have a lot of revisionist history, including uh, media members in Miami, wondering, did they pick the wrong quarterback?
1: No, no, they didn't. They, they've been tanking for Tua for... Two years, right? They that was the goal. Tank for Tua and they they got him. Even at even though they didn't tank well because they actually picked fifth at last year. So they got Tua and we thought maybe it's a red shirt year for Tua, right? It was gonna be a red shirt year. He was coming off the major hip injury, so they brought back Fitzpatrick. And yeah, he was great. And Tua at times didn't look all that great out there. Now
0: I've said the offense was horrendous for what his skill set is. They didn't there, there was no outside of Devontae Parker and health was always an issue. They had no running backs. They had no receivers. Uh, you had three rookies starting on an offensive line without a training camp preseason, etc. And Chan Gailey's offense did not help him out at all with
1: with his skill set. I've seen Tua Viola throw a lot of passes down the field. I can, I've seen him do that. The Miami Dolphins apparently did not see that in their, or Chan Gailey, I should say, did not see that with his offense because they didn't ask him to do that. So do I think that Justin Herbert could be as good as Tua? Yeah, sure. He, he probably could be. Do I think that Tua Tagovailoa is suddenly just a bad quarterback and they should move on from him? No, I don't. I think they should keep their picks and build around him. Like you said, now the rookies are going to get a training camp. They're going to get a mini camp. Hopefully we'll see some preseason. And they have the third pick overall in this draft. There's going to be some star receivers available there. We're going to talk about it. Receiver is really deep again this year. Extremely deep. Oh, probably almost as deep as last year, which we thought was extremely deep. So I think they should keep two and I think he's going to be better than Justin Herbert still
0: going forward. That leads into the other quarterback position that's going to impact the, the, the draft with this, but I'll hold on to that one. Uh, obviously, Deshaun Watson to. is going to be a uh, a looming shadow over the entire NFL offseason, uh, and has the potential to uh, uh, very much impact the top of this draft, uh, and we'll look at that in just a few moments, but looking at last year's draft, uh, for us, I, I like to look at uh, reasons to listen to us. Is uh, We were actually uh, uh, pretty good by mock draft standards. We had nine of the 32 picks in the first round, correct? We had another eight where we had the right position, but uh, just the, the difference in player. So when you put that together saying, could we pick the right position with the team? Uh, we had over a 50% success rate, and there's no one that even comes close to that in uh, uh, mock drafts uh, in that style. Even uh, Mel Kiper and uh, some of those there uh, is a whole different story. This is always a, a crapshoot uh, no matter what, but we nailed this one pretty well. Yeah, I think I think we did pretty good at
1: it. Uh, some of the picks, like you said, we we actually liked Tristan Wirfs more than the NFL did, and he fell to the Buccaneers at thirteen, and they won a Super Bowl partially because suddenly Tom Brady was he was so good, impossible to get to because Tristan Wirfs was excellent. We thought he should go four, and so that was wrong. Actually, another reason that the Buccaneers made it there is they got Antoine Winfield in the second round, who I think we both kind
0: of liked. We talked about yeah, that. Yeah, we both
1: kind of liked Antoine Winfield. Guys that Winfield. fell to the
0: second round. So, yeah, another Jeremy good Chin. choice
1: there. Yeah, Jeremy Chin to the Panthers. Uh, Jeremy Chin had an outside chance. I thought he could have won Rookie of the Year at defense, but he did not quite do it. But Jeremy Chin was excellent. Uh, is a good draft. We We were pretty good with it. We missed some other ones a little bit, but... We had the Vikings taking a receiver. We did not have it being Justin Jefferson. We had it being Jalen Rager. Justin Jefferson looked incredible as a rookie. One of the they best rookie season one. ever. Right? Wow. Yeah. They, when you're compared to Randy Moss, obviously it was going to be because he was a Vikings rookie, but he was every bit as good as Randy Moss's rookie year. From the start,
0: uh, it was from. Game remember when one he was going to be through? just a slot guy?
1: Remember when that was the talk? He was just going to be a slot guy.
0: That I wonder now. It's a different. It's uh, they say the same thing a little bit about Rashad Bateman. By the way. Uh, with some of that uh, we'll talk about that in this upcoming draft but I'm hearing some of those same types of things which is getting as uh, some guys overlooked I uh, we uh, I'll say I'm, I'm happy to say I nailed the the uh, Clyde Edwards hilaire uh, pick to the chiefs that's one I actually had right uh, and uh, you did when everybody thought
1: we all thought Clyde edwards lair was good, but that he was probably running back three last year. Jonathan Taylor, who also had an excellent year. I don't want to say Jonathan Taylor wasn't great, but it wasn't the right fit for Kansas City,
0: not for what they wanted. So you, you called Clyde edwards a and you were right on on that. The running back class from last year was amazing. Uh, you had guys that did very well. Uh, J.K. Uh, Dobbs and, uh, uh, is uh, going to be taking over as the full feature back in uh, Baltimore this upcoming year. Okay. Jonathan Taylor, uh, once he got going with Indy, just tore through teams in the second half of the season. New quarterback in Indiana this year, in Indianapolis, with Carson Wentz
1: taken over mm-hmm. there. And I think uh, they're going to lean on Jonathan Taylor, and I think you're going to see him unleashed. Cam Akers, at the end of the year, finally got her let go in, in the Rams. and Had I think, a lot of talent from Florida State yeah, and uh, sh- showed it. I think he's going to be great this year. And I talk about DeAndre Swift right here. At DeAndre Swift, we talk about some guys I think are going to break out this upcoming year. Matt Stafford got traded, so they're turning to Jared Goff in the Detroit Lions area, which is debatable whether that's a good move or not, probably not. But I do know that they're going with a new coach named Dan Campbell, who is ground and pound. Very old school. And if you haven't seen the go back, when he first got hired there, he will break your kneecaps. And I think they're gonna give the ball to DeAndre Swift a lot. And it's been what, twenty years or something like that since the Dolph since the Dolphins. The Lions have had a thousand yard rusher. I do believe that will end this season because I do
0: believe that with two hundred carries, which I think he will get, I do think DeAndre Swift can get to a thousand yards. Agreed. I think if we're talking second-year jumps, uh, DeAndre Swift stands out, and uh, you wanted to talk Dolphins because you know I'm going to mention Tua. Uh, there's the other one I see as a, a taking that big second-year uh, jump, a full offseason, a full uh, uh, training camp. Everything's going to be there, another full year removed from his surgery. They're going to upgrade his weapons, whether through the draft or free agency or combination. I think we're going to see the Tua that we expected to see and saw flashes of uh, but now an, an offense that is going to be tailored around him. Uh, but uh, DeAndre, DeAndre Swift is now being lined up with the perfect coach that is going to give him uh, peak opportunity uh, to uh, produce results. And I think even I haven't looked at their offensive line. I don't know. I'm not too familiar with the Lions, but I can see them pouring resources into that as well to make this possible. So the tools are going to be there to help uh, DeAndre Swift have a second year breakout. I was
1: looking at some of this the other day. I think the Lions might be the team that's the most devoid of talent in the league. Like it, it's it's a rough team. They need to rebuild, and I think they have a new GM. They have a new head coach. I think they're going to be committed to it. Now, as I said they have to decide. Jared Goff's under contract for three more years there, and he he's a good fill in. I think they have an early pick. They picked number seven this year. They have to decide is. Are they going to take a quarterback right away? Or are they going to trade? They should trade that pick back. That should be a spot where people want uh, some of these quarterbacks we're going to talk about in a little bit here. They should trade that pick back and just try to get as many assets as they can and build around. I said maybe you don't trust Jared Goff, but you take a developmental guy and see what you can get. Or and if not, if he's if they're really bad, they can take one early later on. But you, this
0: team needs a lot of help. What it's going to come down to come down to for Detroit is: is there a quarterback you fell in love with in this draft uh, that's a worth moving up for? Uh, that's going to be happening. We will see a trade in the top five. I'd be shocked if it doesn't happen. I know it's early in the offseason. We don't know what free agency holds yet, uh, but we're seeing the, a quarterback carousel in the NFL unlike any we've seen before in an offseason. That is going to spill over into this draft. So the question first is, is there one that you've fallen in love with that's worth moving up for? It's going to cost you a first-round pick to do it. So is there one that you fall in love with? If that's the case, go get him. Uh, the point is you get your guy. Uh, so if you fell in love with Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, uh, now Wilson may not be available. It might be uh, whoever is the, the leftover quarterback. Is he the one that you want? Uh, so that's question one. Uh, the next part is Jared Goff was not traded for because they wanted him. They wanted the draft compensation that went with him. He's a placeholder. That is it. Uh, could they get something else? Uh, could he have a resurgence or with it? This guy was drafted high for a uh, uh, reason pick overall, right? <laughs> uh, so uh, and the Rams traded up to get him.
1: So I don't think Jared Goff's bad. Not to cut off here, but like we're going to talk about Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones is basically Jared Goff, and so he, he's they're just not quite built for today's modern NFL. With they're not quite as mobile as you need to be. And Jared Goff, he has a okay
0: arm. I wouldn't say it's a good enough arm to hit. It's you need to be open. Well, and here's here's the question you can ask is. Does it just come down to bad fit? Sean McVay, with that offense, you want a, uh, a rock star at quarterback to be uh, throwing that all over the place. That's not Jared Goff. Uh, now, going into an offense where it's meant to be run first, uh, try to build a defense, and then utilize his skill set that way, uh, where he's meant to be uh, play a less of a, a lead role, not that he won't play a role in it, and he has produced numbers before, but this might be a better offensive fit for him, uh, and you, you could you see a resurgence with Jared Goff to actually be a solid uh, NFL quarterback? Absolutely, I think part of it was the expectations of being the number one overall was Sean McVay and that offense. It just—it we saw that that fit was no longer there. And by the way, that draft, uh, all the quarterbacks from that draft have now been discarded by their previous teams. If you look at Carson Wentz, you look at Jared Goff. Uh, it has uh, that draft I'm has different. changed.
1: Yeah, I forgot about what that's twenty four years ago, twenty seventeen maybe already.
0: So, Hard to believe that it's yeah. been
1: that long, but yeah, you're right. They they've been moved on, and yeah, I, I, Detroit's got some some needs, but Dan Campbell getting in there, like I said, I think they're devoted to the
0: to the rebuild. So we'll see what they do. They now have the resources with the draft capital uh, uh, to do that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. They'll be one of the teams that we'll look at in the upcoming draft for uh, trying to re-image themselves. I uh, and. Uh, do that rebuild with the, the new uh, staff that is there. By the way, quick note on that, Aaron Glenn is their uh, defensive coordinator. Uh, Aaron Glenn is the famous uh, former NFL cornerback, played with the New York Jets. Uh, he was the one that Dan Marino dunked on for the clock play. Uh, so uh, uh, sorry to throw shade at Lions fans. It's just because I know that from uh, being a Marino fan. Uh, oh, awesome. But uh, anytime I hear the name Aaron Glenn, that's what comes to mind. That is great. So with that, we will now move into Is there anything else you want to say about last year's draft? Uh, any final notes? No, I think we're good. Let's move on to this year. Then let's uh let's tackle it, but before we can get to that uh side of it, here's what's going to be shaping this draft. Number 1, we're going to hear him all off-season long. It's Deshaun Watson, right? Uh hmm? There is a massive uh Uh, staring contest that is taking place this offseason, unlike any we've seen. Deshaun Watson has done all the things that you would expect to do for a guy that says, I'm going to burn every bridge. Get me out of here. Uh, And he has done that to this point. He's made it public. Uh, This has come through. Uh, There's dysfunction in in Houston. Everyone sees it. Uh, He is saying he will never play another snap for for this franchise. J.J. Watt has already moved on. However... Franchise quarterbacks don't grow on trees. You have a new GM with the uh, the Houston Texans. Does not want to be the guy that trades a uh, Pro Bowl quarterback. Uh, and so he's saying he's not going to trade him. Who wins in this staring contest? And the reason why it matters in this uh, podcast is because uh, it starts with, uh, from the second overall pick on down, these are part of the, the trade capital that can be there to lure Watson to a new team.
1: So if there is a team that competes with Detroit for the worst roster in the NFL, it is currently the Houston Texans. Uh, Will Fuller's a free agent. You mentioned J.J. Watt's gone. There is not a whole lot left in Houston. And famously, they don't have a first-round pick this year because they traded it for Laramie Tunsil, and they traded picks for Brandon Cooks, and they've traded a lot of things, and it has not made a lot of sense. So Deshaun Watson has every right to be upset. He's also signed to a very large contract, which makes him – uh, he's actually under contract I think for three more years right
0: three more years he just signed this deal yeah, it was the couple, last year
1: so it, it's a very uh, you do not see players that are 26 years old that are as good as Deshaun Watson and have shown that to come ever come up in these type of deals hardly ever does this happen so sure could the Jets move I think they have four first round picks the next two years could they move two three of them and try and get Deshaun Watson and say here's Sam Darnold yeah it, it's possible the Texans team, like they're really willing to just sit there and say, you know what, Deshaun? We saw Le'Veon Bell a couple of years ago sit out a whole season, and we're willing to let you sit out a whole season if you don't want to play for us, because we don't want you to play for anyone else. But the Jets are interested. Uh, the Carolina we hear a lot about is very interested. They want to move on from Teddy Bridgewater. They have the eighth pick, and there, there's been talks that they're willing to give up Christian McCaffrey, who's their all-world running back, to do so, which... Is interesting. Now Deshaun Watts quarterback it's a quarterback driven league, right? It is a quarterback driven league. You cannot win without a good quarterback. And
0: Christian McCaffrey is an amazing running back, but quarterback's more valuable. Well, After- and Houston could very well take t- either take him as part of a new offense or you can trade him for another big pick if oh, you want to sure. do a full. Yeah, uh, there's a of teams
1: that can you imagine him in like a New England? Anyways,
0: uh
1: as we move on here, the the Texans I think we'll just play hardball until Deshaun caves. I don't think they're actually going to trade him. That being
0: said, two, three first-round
1: picks and a player
0: like Sam Darnold is really appealing. So the tra- uh, what it's going to take to actually make Houston do this, you're looking at the equivalent of four first-round picks. This has never been done before. That's what it's going to take. Everyone has seen it across the board. Uh, and Now, that doesn't necessarily mean four actual first-round picks, uh, a number two or number three pick is worth two of them uh, at, at that level of being that high of a pick. Uh, if you had someone like a, for example, if it's Miami, uh, Tua, a top five pick that was there, uh, that could be uh, uh, to go with it. Uh, Christian McCaffrey fits that uh, criteria. Uh, so there's uh, different things that are involved here, but the equivalent of four first round picks is what it's going to take. Now, that being said, even at that price point, uh, Houston is not inclined to make the trade. What it's going to take, in my opinion, and we talked about this before we got started on the podcast here, what it's going to take is to, does Deshaun Watson, is he willing to pull a James Harden to come to camp and have these aches and pains where I got ah, I can't play, my, my leg is a little sore, uh, or act like he just ate, he just downed 200 Big Macs before he walked in the door. Uh, that's what it's going to take to actually make it happen. Uh, Sitting out isn't going to matter, and you're not going to do that because you want to make money and you want to play. So James Harden, in his own state, he saw the textbook happen in Houston. Houston. You saw it happen right there. Can a player do that in the NFL, though, in the culture of the band of brothers at that point where you're lining up and you're playing for the guy next to you? When the season starts, everyone gets in the offseason, it's a business, but when the season starts... I don't know if the NFL has that culture yet, which is why it's going to be interesting to see, will that support it? At this point, the way the, the roster has been burned down of, of, of veterans and everything, does it matter if anyone in the Houston locker room is upset with him? Maybe not, but it could matter to the locker room you go to. Uh, so that's the interesting question. The only way that this happens is if he's willing to go to that level. The nuclear option for yep. him would be to just yeah come in and
1: mess around basically and say I'm here but you got to keep paying me but I'm not putting out my full effort and we've seen it work in some sports you mentioned James Harden you can go back to baseball we can talk about Gary Sheffield saying that he doesn't want to play around here send me to a bigger market like and those guys have had, gone on to have great careers but we've seen it where you know, people have messed around to get traded, and then it doesn't work out because suddenly you are under a lot of pressure when you get traded after you've forced, especially four first-round picks. If you get traded to the Jets, which we know New York is a brutal media market, you go traded to the Jets, you are expected to take that team that won two games last year. If Deshaun Watson ends up there, they will expect 500 this season. I am almost certain of that. With what they they have, running backs, if they drafted a running back, they have
0: two receivers, they drafted one last year. So it's expected Like that's a team that should be able to compete soon. And, and uh, cap space uh, to, uh, to accommodate this. And uh, Watson's cap number for year one is low, so you can add talent around him. Uh, we would mentioned again, the reason why we talk about him or we can talk about other quarterbacks is, again, this isn't uh, an off season unlike any other as far as potential quarterback carousel. Uh, Sam Darnold could be on, on the move, obviously, with uh, talking about Watson at two. Uh, to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Ryan. Uh, Bridgewater uh, with uh, Carolina, we talked about that. Uh, the Saints, are they going to go in-house with either Winston or, or Tayson Hill? Uh, I, there's more quarterback uh, controversy this year than like any the, any offseason that I can remember.
1: And we've already seen, you're talking about ones that we don't yeah. know about yet, we've already seen Matt Stafford get traded for Jared Goff, and Carson Wentz is going back yep. to Indiana to play with his old head coach and Frank Reich, or I guess it was an offensive coordinator at the time, but going to play with Frank Reich, who... Took him to a Super Bowl, and then Carson Wentz has fallen out of favor quickly in Philadelphia. So, yeah, a lot of change at quarterback this year. It's uh, something that we haven't really seen before. Does Big Ben say he's coming back in Pittsburgh? I think he
0: did, right? They're trying to negotiate that right now because the, the big cap number. Uh, Pittsburgh's not going to pay him at that rate, but he, does, he has said that he does want to come back. That will get done. It sounds like both sides are going to find uh, a common ground there. But otherwise, yeah, that's the other potential one. If that would sour, and you know Russell Wilson, the rumors have been out there about him not being happy with things there. I I don't think that's gotten to a a Deshaun Watson level yet. So even looking at teams, because usually we consider quarterback problems on bad teams or whatever. There's
1: teams that are made the play. The Washington Football Team, right? They they let Alex Smith go. They're going to have a new quarterback. We don't know what the Bears are doing. They made the playoffs. Indiana, we just said Indianapolis, and so Pittsburgh, and then yeah, the Saints. So there's even teams that are quote good teams have quarterback
0: issues this year. Normally, it's uh, the coaching carousel. Uh, this year, it's more it's the uh, the quarterback carousel, and that's going to matter because in the top five, top ten, uh, we're looking at at least three quarterbacks that very well could go one, two, three, and and that's what will kick us off when we look at this. Here is the intrigue, in my opinion, begins at three. At quarterback, you mean, or at the pick three? Pick three, pick three. Your team, the Your team. Uh, because they don't have that need for a quarterback that way. Either it's going to be, it's either Deshaun Watson or or Tua. That's the two options, uh, and that number three pick is either being moved for a quarterback that way, or it could be moved for a team that wants a quarterback that is looking at whoever is left from Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. Yep, that's yep. If they
1: if Miami stays put, they they're not taking a quarterback. I am fairly confident they will if they stay put there, they will take a wide receiver at that spot. You do not see many Jamar Chase's or Devonta Smiths. And I've said I like Jalen Waddell, which we'll get to in a little bit here. Actually, four is Atlanta. That's a team that yeah. you have to decide if you want to try and run it out and take some more offense. Like you could add a Kyle Pitts. We're gonna talk about Kyle Pitts. You can add a Kyle Pitts to that t- offense and even make Matt Ryan have a couple more great years. Or you can take a project like the Packers did last year and say, wait a couple of years. Uh, Cincinnati's not taking a quarterback at five. I am 100% certain that they are very confident in Joe Burrow. He tore his ACL last season, but guess what? There's a really good offensive tackle that makes a lot of sense for Cincinnati. The
0: other one that I know we're getting into the mock know. draft area here, but Henry uh, Sewell obviously makes sense there from a, a tackle standpoint, but so does his teammate at receiver. Who's available? Jamar Chase. Chase went to Oregon. No, no, no. I'm talking. I'm talking about uh, Burrow. Oh, yes, yes. You're right. Jamar Chase to go to LSU. I was like, what? <laughs> I think that's. I think that's going to be the the intriguing uh, possibility. As much as they desperately need offensive line help, there's no question they need a tackle. But does that connection lead them in that direction? And we'll talk about that when we get closer to the the mock draft time. Uh, But that's what we're seeing already. There's the intrigue, a little snippet of it for the the top five picks, the quarterback stuff that's going on. There's no question that at one, Trevor Lawrence, that's there. The only Uh, question
1: with Trevor Lawrence is his torn labrum,
0: right? So he tore his labrum in his left shoulder. Yeah,
1: so his non-throwing shoulder. He had surgery. It's five to six months of recovery. I've watched a lot of Trevor Lawrence. Here's what I'll say about Trevor Lawrence. It is probably the best skill set since Peyton Manning. And he's actually better than Peyton Manning because he can run. And he is an unbelievable athlete that people don't give him credit for. You talk about Tr- Tr- Justin Herbert looking the way that a quarterback does. Trevor Lawrence looks like Justin Herbert, but he has an unbelievable arm. The, the only nit you can pick with Trevor Lawrence is he gets – his arm is so good that he gets a little, like – carried away with how talented he is, and his timing gets off. So like he trusts his arm to hit these unbelievably small windows, and a lot of times it does in college. That probably won't work in the NFL. He has to get a little better at reading defenses, I would say, but there is no doubt in my mind that it, should
0: Jacksonville not take Trevor Lawrence at number one, it'll be the worst pick I've ever seen. The There's no question of him at number one. Uh, it's just a matter of expectations. He's still going to be a rookie. He still needs to learn the NFL. He's not going to be lights out year one. I, I don't see that from him. He's got the talent for it. He's going to be a, a Pro Bowl quarterback. I have no dispute at his ceiling and his ability to reach it. Uh, I, what Justin Herbert did was rare. Uh, while there's been more success with rookie quarterbacks early on, Justin Herbert walked in with a Pro Bowl receiver, a Pro Bowl running back, and a Pro Bowl tight end uh, with, with a good offensive line. Like That's not the normal that you're walking into, especially at the top. You're, you're going to this team because they sucked. <laughs> Let's just put it honestly. That's why uh, they're picking at number 1. So for the talent to usually be there to do that, just doesn't happen. Trevor Lawrence, hands down, best uh, quarterback in this draft, best prospect in this draft, uh, for having a franchise quarterback to lead your team, it just won't be year one. Uh, but I, I take him without uh, without blinking. And that's a, another new quarterback there. We haven't seen Urban Meyer ever coach in the NFL.
1: So we'll see what he, if he crafts yep. his offense around Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor, a lot of his offenses involve this uh, read option. So I said, Trevor Lawrence can do that. We, he's never really been asked to do that at Clemson. But you see him go watch the national championship from, was it, two years ago when he outruns a bunch of
0: Ohio State cornerbacks. Like, that's how fast he is. So... The last uh, uh, question that we'll get at before we finally get to what we were going to talk about today. Sorry. Uh, that's, that's the, no, no, that's part of what we're doing here. Uh, the feature of, of what we were going to talk about today is the big board. But uh, for the uh, the Cheesehead fans that are around here, uh, what would you view as the, the Packers targets or needs? Obviously, again, we haven't had free agency yet. We don't know what they're doing there. Uh, though sometimes Packer fans are used to not knowing what they're doing when the draft comes anyways, uh, and there's always uh, intrigue uh, there. I, let's briefly go back to last year's draft with the Packers. Uh, Jordan Love is, uh, uh, is the interesting one that's there, obviously. That's still a wait-and-see whether that was a, a good pick or not. Um, it lit a fire. I still say it lit a fire under Rodgers uh, that he now proves an MVP-level uh, season. So if, if even if, if that's what it took to get that back out of Rodgers for for that, great. I do love their uh, A.J. Dillon pick. You've loved that the whole time. You've yep. always said that you love A.J. Dillon. I
1: I liked A.J. Dillon. I just thought that it was a little earlier. I would have
0: preferred they would have got him about two rounds later. I thought they could have done that. Maybe we, they knew more than we did. There were rumors that, that other teams were interested in the second round. And uh, we he saw, was gonna, we he saw was him be very effective. with an right? earlier pick.
1: He was really effective at uh, was it the – last game of the season or whatever he had like 150 yard games when Aaron Jones was out so Aaron Jones is looking like he's probably going to leave Wisconsin It doesn't mean now you don't need to replace him with an early running back if you already have A.J. Dillon in in the t- team you don't need to send, spend more to get another one and you can take a later one there's a lot of late running backs in this draft just like they did with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams a few years ago and maybe you hit and you get a great one their need is cornerback right we've we all saw Kevin King and it was yeah. obviously really bad in the playoffs, but it wasn't great most of the season. That was clear the weakness, and they could use some – always good teams can always use help on both lines, right? That's what you always want to do. The Packers have a great team uh, that you can always use more help on the offensive line and the defensive line. And everyone's going to talk about receiver, right, because we all thought they were taking receiver last year, and they didn't. And I think they can take a receiver. We're, that's the deepest spot in this draft by yep. far yep. Is, is receiver. Last year I said I think they can get one good in the first three rounds. I think they get one good even
0: later this year if they want to. So we'll see. Early uh, uh, prognostications have been linking Tutu Atwell oh, uh, Tutu as Atwell. as a perfect uh, uh, fit, uh, with, a uh, fit with with them. Uh, I don't I don't think he goes first round the way he was being talked about early in mock drafts. I think that's a solid second round pick. Uh, but uh, we'll see what what happens with it. But yeah, I, I see them based on what I see. The level of cornerback is so hard to play as a rookie. Uh, in today's NFL you need time to develop I think they go with a free agent for a cornerback and they go for receiver and draft yep. so I, that's, I that's think what Xavier I'm Rhodes
1: is uh, he's played with Minnesota and then he went to Indiana or Indianapolis I have in Indiana uh, Indianapolis and it's not been he's, he's clearly getting older it's not the pro bowl caliber a few years ago but it would be an upgrade from Kevin King that doesn't take much, as I'm sure any packer fan is just saying that uh, they're right, uh,
0: thinking right at that point. We're going
1: to take a, they're going to talk about a cornerback later on that I think is a Jair Alexander clone, Ooh, well let's, which we'll, I hope is there.
0: We'll dive into that as we uh, get into our uh, big board as we look at the top five uh, players at uh, at each position. Uh, overall assessment: I thought was, that this wasn't a deep draft. Uh, When looking at the the caliber of players, there's a couple of deep positions that you can find starters uh, at those positions going into the the middle and late rounds, especially at wide receiver. We both agree deepest position in this, uh, in this draft, but I think you're looking at top three rounds, especially And the other part of this challenge is uh, you're going to, you're going to find out how good your scouting department is this year. No combine for everybody to get together and watch the underwear Olympics. And, uh,
1: not a lot of, you couldn't have been in the stadiums, right? You had to watch on TV just like everybody else in most cases. So it's a lot of trusting measurements that we haven't actually got a chance to verify and they're going to have pro days and we expect scouts to be there. Trevor Lawrence already had his because of the arm surgery. And I believe scouts were allowed in. So if that's the case, then you expect scouts to be at all these pro days. Now I assume that they get to keep their own times, but obviously teams want to make their players look better, which is great. Like you expect that. So Six foot one, Devonta Smith and 180 pounds. I don't think he's that big. And so when he actually, if if I'm Devonta Smith, I'm never stepping on a scale, but if Devonta Smith weighs in at 170 pounds, like that's a big difference. So we'll see. It's going to be, it's going to take a lot of eye scouting because you're not going to get the measurements that I don't think you're going to be as reliable
0: as usual. And how confident are you and your, your scouts to look at the tape and see the NFL intangibles? Uh, we, we've noticed, and we'll talk about this with some of this too, uh, that there's players who two years ago looked like they would be the best uh, pick at their position Then last year happens, and they had a, a terrible senior season or last year, uh, and uh, there's now plenty of these guys on that... board. So how many how many of these guys that didn't play, how do you factor that in uh, to your overall scouting review? Yeah, I was going to say, there's some of these guys that
1: you've, we talked about, Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell already, we haven't said a whole lot. Either one of those guys played last season. There's plenty of these guys that just said, we're going to opt out, and that was obviously their right, and I still think they're going to get picked early, but then you haven't seen them play last year. Now, we saw, I saw Jamar Chase. I don't know if you saw the picture. Jamar Chase was working out all year, and he looks just shredded. So uh, not quite DK Metcalf, but really impressive
0: looking physique. Well, speaking of physique, let's talk about the big uglies. We're going to get into the offensive line uh, as we look at uh, top five uh, from uh, that position. We'll look at uh, tackles and then interior. Uh, why don't you kick us off with tackles? I will just go... Five to one here, and give a little bit. Number five, I have
1: Tevin Jenkins. He is an offensive tackle from Oklahoma State. Uh, don't got a whole lot to say about him, but Tevin Jenkins. He made thirty-five starts at Oklahoma State, so he's got a lot of experience. He's played all over the line, from right guard to left tackle to right tackle. That's a big part of today's NFL, being able to be versatile like that. I think he's really got a first chance to be the first offensive lineman drafted out of the first round there since Russell Okung. Uh, f- number four I have Alex Leatherwood obviously I'm an Alabama guy he has protected the left side he's protected the right side when it was Tua he sh- shifted over to protect Mac Jones's left side uh, he's an excellent player he's been there for a long time his brother's very good too Alabama as usual has a great offensive line number three I have Rashawn Slater uh, Rashawn Slater is from Northwestern he is also very very versatile I think he could literally play four of the spots along the line. He. Also opted out of the 2020 season. So we haven't actually seen him since 2019. All, I was watching a video from Rashawn Slater from two years ago against Chase Young and he just stymied Chase Young the whole day. Chase Young got picked second overall last year. He looked every bit the defensive player of the year that he won or defensive rookie of the year that he won and Rashawn Slater destroyed him in footwork. It was great to watch that. My number two is Christian Derrissaw. Christian Derrissaw is kind of a challenging one to watch, but he's from Virginia Tech He's got extremely big size, and so it, and he moves very well for his size. He reminds me a lot of Mikai Becton from last year. Uh, I think he has very much the upside to be a starting left tackle from day one and could move to a Pro Bowl left tackle, and that gets you to number one, who's been number one, also not playing last year. It's Pene Sewell. Pene Sewell is an offensive tackle from Oregon. He is a dominant run blocker, just absolutely moves people off the ball and he will maul you. And in the past game, he sets low and people do not move past him. He could kick inside and be a Pro Bowl guard. He could stay outside and be a Pro Bowl tackle
0: from day one. Some have uh, Slater rated as the second best uh, uh, lineman in this draft. Uh, is there still some challenge though for, uh, not saying that he's not going to be good, but versatility is what I've been hearing more with him of his ability to play up and down the line but is that the same as being Jack of all trades, master of none? Like how, what, where do you rate him? Is that part of the reason why you have him third versus second the way I've seen him in, in some places, big boards?
1: Yeah. is bigger, right? is a much bigger player which I think makes him a better offensive tackle prospect. I think that Rashawn Slater is going to end up playing guard in the NFL. Now I think he's going to be drafted as a tackle. You always want a tackle, right? It's a harder position. You you have to defend the edge and you guard your guys backside. So I think they're going to try him. Someone will draft him to play an offensive tackle. His wingspan would lead me to believe that he is going to be a guard or even a center. I think he could play center. It's a different position, right? You touch the ball all the time and he's going to be the word I would use with Rashawn Slater is like savvy. Like he doesn't have the physical tools that Christian Derrissaw has. He's not the massive man that Penesul is. that can get low like that. He does a very good job of blocking, but it's more likely to be from a more interior position, if you ask me.
0: Now, when we talk about Panay Sewell, there's no question in anyone's mind that he's the number one offensive line prospect in this draft. I've heard across the board people talking about Hall of Fame-level comparisons, and I've also heard some saying that uh, great technique, but maybe doesn't have the the physical... uh, like the end of game, the mauling in the run game, that it's not necessarily the same type of uh, playing angry the way some some do with that. How do you respond to that?
1: I think he's very good at run blocking. I, I've seen him get push people fifteen yards downfield uh, in games against players like USC. I, the, I think the perfect comparison. I don't always like comparisons, but I think the perfect comparison from him is ex Dolphin Laramie Tunsil. I think that that's very much. What he is a Pro Bowl left tackle. I think he could be a Pro Bowl left tackle from day one. Guard. Any player, I think he could move to the right side if you wanted him. Like if if the Dolphins said, "Hey, look, we want a new tackle for Tua." Like I think he could play right tackle for him and guard his backside. I, I really think Penesul is all, probably the most sure thing in this draft. um eh, Trevor Lawrence is probably
0: a little bit more sure thing, but they're almost one one a. I suppose as day one ready, right? Yeah. Where you're gonna get an immediate co- uh, contribution uh, mm-hmm. from him at a very good level. Uh, there's questions still at number three, if, if Miami does choose to go with the offensive line uh, in that mode, uh, that would uh, he'd be an excellent fit as far as making those final additions uh, to that line. Uh, when we go interior, I suppose the last thing I'll say about tackles is you have the five, but it drops off after that. Uh, if you're looking for an offensive tackle, you're gonna have to pick early. Would that be a, a fair assessment? That's usually the case. Yeah, it drops
1: off pretty hard. Dylan Raddens from North Dakota State's pretty good. I have Alaric Jackson down here. He went to Iowa. Iowa's kicked out a lot of offensive tackles in the league, right? They're kind of a kind of an offensive line factory in Iowa. He he meets Alaric Jackson meets like all the physical tools. It's just I don't know like I talk about Panay Sewell sitting and I talk about Christian Dara, so I'm moving well for a size. Alaric Jackson just is not very like twitchy and mobile, so if he could learn some of that, you could get another one out of him, I think. But, you know, yeah, it's, this is much more of a shallow class of tackle for sure.
0: Now, usually when I hear uh, phrases like that when you're talking about a tackle, what it typically means is eventually you're kicked inside. Yep. Uh, and usually what a lot of people try to do is find the uh, uh, grab a tackle. They'll see if it works. But uh, a failed tackle can equal a, a, a very above average guard. Uh, do you see that with uh, with the Iowa product? Yeah, yeah, I think he could be a very good guard in the league. I, we saw that last year with John Runyon at, at Michigan,
1: right? He played tackle at Runyon, or at Michigan, and he's going to play guard, I think, for the Packers this year. So, yeah, I think that could be a very good comparison there.
0: And uh, where that helps are the Packers, if you think about that. Runyon to guard means you now can move uh, Jenkins to center if mm-hmm. you end up needing to replace uh, uh, Lindsley. That's what I think is going to happen. So let's go interior uh Linemen, let's talk about the, the guards and centers. Uh, who are your top five? I number five is Creed Humphrey, and most people are probably going to have Creed Humphrey higher up their list. He
1: is the starting center for Oklahoma, a very good player. It's Oklahoma. He's been one of their. They've had one of the most explosive offenses in the country for the, whether it was Jalen Hurts or Baker Mayfield or last year with Spencer Rattler. Uh, his thing is because of the way Oklahoma plays their offense which is a lot of like short passes and what they call a diamond formation i almost never see I, you don't see him move laterally ever you never they never ask him to pull he's excellent at holding his line i just would love to see him move more horizontally along the line to to move him up my draft board here anchor versus agility yeah anchor versus agility number 4 i went with I have Trey Smith. So Trey Smith is a Tennessee guard who formerly was the top-rated player in the country as a high school player. He was the number one overall recruit. He chose Tennessee, surprisingly. Six foot six, 299 pounds as a senior in high school. He is now up to six-six, about 330. And it's not been great at Tennessee. Tennessee's had a lot of struggles over the years. They have more struggles than usual than teams. I've seen Trey Smith move horizontally. I've seen him pull. He can do that. He can anchor pretty well. It's a matter of does he want to be great? Like, you talk about people mauling. Panay Sewell, can he maul people? Trey Smith, at his size, should do that. But he doesn't. it doesn't always show up on tape. So it's a little bit more projection with him. Number three, I have Landon Dickerson, who is from another Alabama player. Landon Dickerson got hurt at the end of the season, or else he might be higher. But he he's had some knee injury. He's had injuries since he's been there. That's probably a problem. It's been a torn ACL. It's been an Durability. ankle. It's been a ligament thing. But I would say he's a below like compared to these other guys he is not the athlete that Trey Smith is but he is all grit it is great positioning he's moved from Florida State to Alabama so you're talking about two of the premier franchises or programs in the country and he's played well at both of them he's very
0: strong I really like Landon Dickerson when he's healthy he's been very good the key question there is is when he's healthy my number two is Wyatt Davis uh
1: Ohio State has two very good guards. Josh Myers is not did not get on here, but Wyatt Davis, I have his number two. I think he's can start another guy. Day one, I Plug think he can play. move in right away and start at right guard or left guard for any team. He is great if you ask him. So he is one who is great at moving horizontally because they've asked him, right? You At Ohio State, you saw that horizontal rushing attack, the zone option type of runs. He is great at that. Uh, the thing that he's going to need help on is I'm not sure how great his pass set blocking is because, once again, Ohio State, a lot of running and yeah, Justin Fields ran, but it's a lot of shotgun or shotgun passing. So can he set and hold up in a blocking? And that gets me to my number one, which I have Elijah Vera Tucker. Some people are going to say Elijah Vera Tucker is a tackle and maybe, uh, he did play a lot of tackle last year for USC where he went I think that his body shape sets him up to be a guard, and I think he's going to be excellent at it. I think he's – you mentioned Elton Jenkins. The Packers drafted him. as a, He was a tackle at Mississippi State, and they moved him to guard, and he's been great at it. He can slide around. I think Elijah Vera Tucker is just like that. He played left tackle last year. But right away, I think they draft – somebody drafts him in the top 20 picks, he can start at guard from them from day one.
0: Uh, the – there's better guards than centers available when you're looking at the interior linemen. As far as th- those that you can count on uh, in, uh, from day one, uh, Dickerson could very well be that if his health uh, shows it, but there's, that's a big question mark. Uh, you have uh, Humphrey, four-year starter. Uh, the question, though, is, like I said, what's the mobility uh, within it? So that means you need to be in the right scheme. Uh, that's not going to be asking you to to uh, to pull as much if that is not a a potential strength. Not saying that it is or isn't, but that's one question that is there because you just don't have a lot on tape. Speaking of not having a lot on tape, we would be remiss to not speak about Quinn Miners here.
1: Yes. Quinn Miners from our backyard in Wisconsin-Whitewater. So he was going into this year. He was not very highly regarded, like end of the draft type of prospect, and Whitewater didn't play this year. It's Division Three. They didn't play it down this year. So he went to the Senior Bowl and, and he was crushed it. Incredible down there. He looked great. He got a lot of comparisons. Allie Marpet is another small school yep. guard who went down to the Senior Bowl, crushed it, got
0: drafted, I think, at the second round, and went on to have he's having a Pro Bowl career right now. So that's the, the comparison that you get. The have nailed their offensive linemen in recent years. You count Allie Marpet, you count uh, Tristan Wirfs. Uh, those are two. Uh, Pro Bowl level, not just solid, but Pro Bowl level players, uh, yeah, they've, they've nailed their, their offensive linemen. And I think I think when Miners is going to step in, I think he's going to be a day two pick
1: now. I think he's going to... I have him at sixth on my board. I want to talk about him. I just have a couple extra guys on a lot of these, but he's sixth. I think he can step in. He, going from Division three to Division one is always a big ask, and... I'm not sure he's ready to step in day one and be an every down starter. Like I think, I think Elijah Vera Tucker can do that. I think Wyatt Davis can do that for their teams. Quinn Miners, you got to see. Like training camp will be big for him, getting some practice, see what he
0: can do, get ready
1: for the speed of the NFL. But uh, I think he's going to be a player someday.
0: The, and even it could still be in year one. It just may not be day one. Uh, he was guys that are being considered for potential first round talents that were there at the senior bowl in the defensive line, he was moving them or piling them down to the ground. Uh, that's what, that's what he needed to do to improve his draft stock. No one improved their draft stock more uh, this off season, especially with the limited opportunities that are there. No one improved it more than Minots.
1: I, I would agree with that because like you said, other there's only one other player that we're really going to talk about who played one game this year. And, uh, he was good in that game too but Quinn miners has moved up from probably maybe not even drafted like 6th 7th
0: round or undrafted free agent second to round. second third round pick uh so that completes the uh, offensive line uh, look we'll switch to the defensive line uh and let's talk about uh first the uh the edge rushers so again we're uh, we're you're looking for pass rushers in this Uh, And, you know, in previous years, you've had a Miles Garrett, you've had uh, Chase Young, you've had these big uh, guys that are there. That is not in this draft.
1: Yeah, there isn't the superstar, the Bosa or the Chase Young. Those guys are not in it. But I would say that this is another one of the, I'd say this is one of the deeper positions, at least over the first, you said, the first three rounds. I think there's probably 10 guys or so, 8 to 10 guys that I think are actually not bad prospects. There's just no superstar prospect. So my number five is I have Joseph Asai from Houston, Texas, and I played for Texas Longhorns. And Most people are probably going to have him a little higher. Uh, he can probably – he's more likely to play 3-4 outside linebacker just because of size. He's probably not going to play defensive end in a 4-3 scheme, although they never really did ask him to guard make any coverage. But – He's a playmaker. You ever watched him? He gets a lot of turnovers. He has very strong hands, which helps him push around the edge. He gets a lot of sacks and then he doesn't just get to the quarterback and say, I'm going to sack you. He swipes at the ball and gets a lot of strips. Uh, I think that Joseph Asai would make a lot of sense for a team drafting in the second round. My number four is Greg Rousseau. Miami actually has three different defensive ends. You could probably yeah. talk about here because of draft because of actually like a transfer and some things, but I have Greg Rousseau as my highest Miami guy. Uh, when we last saw him, it was 2019. He also opted out of last season. But 2019, 19.5 tackles for lost 15.5 sacks. Uh, it's the production, but it, it's a lot of physical skills there. I just don't know. Like He's always been able to dominate with his physical skills. Does he have the moves that someone like Joseph Asaya gets by with a lot of moves? Because he is not physically as dominant as Greg Rousseau.
0: It's kind of like there, there's a couple of guys last year that had that... Uh uh, equi- A.J. A- a- Epinesa was, uh, one, is a, a bigger guy that he wanted. does he have the speed uh, to get there? Obviously has the power and great for setting the edge. Uh, but as far as pass rushing skills at the NFL level, uh, that's a question for some of these bigger guys, and I think that's still there for him. But he's one of the better projects in this draft uh, for Stratford defensive lineman. But, man, if you were a Miami Hurricanes fan, what might have been if you could have had these guys together on opposite ends? Yeah yeah Uh, they never had a chance to see it no and
1: we've really only seen rousseau for one year because in 2018 he hurt his ankle and he played two games and then he opts out last year so craig rousseau you just got to trust that 2019 is what
0: you're going to get out of him and that's a big ask gms get nervous at the one-year wonders and uh he's a guy that you're taking him as a project uh, but i could see him sliding down teams boards he's been kind of propped up a little bit here. They're talking like mid-first round uh, with him. I could see him even sliding to the second round. Uh, he has first-round uh, potential, uh, and if someone desperately needs a defensive lineman, I could see him bumping up, but because of the one-year aspect, here's someone that's being talked about higher that I could see end up lower when it actually happens.
1: My number three is probably my favorite defensive edge prospect, and that's Jason Oway from Penn State. Uh, he's extraordinarily young. He is a redshirt sophomore come to the NFL. He's played 20 games. Uh, the effort is through the roof. You'll see him chasing guys down 20 yards downfield. I think he has a lot of moves. He is a very, very physically gifted man. Explosive, I would say is the word that I have written down here. Uh, I do think he's going to need a little time because I said he is so young. Uh, maybe he needs to put on a little bit of muscle yet. But you see, all the physical gifts are there. He has like he has some of the hand moves we're talking about and. The length is just insane. So if you're willing to help him put on a few more pounds, I think he can play right on the defensive line. Otherwise, I think he's more of a 3-4 outside linebacker. But Jason Oway is probably my favorite defensive end prospect. Uh, Number two, I have Aziz Ojolari. There's some fun names in this draft. There are in this draft. He is a defensive end or edge player for the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, he is a great pass rusher, but he is definitely a three-four outside linebacker. You are not going to ask him to play in as a defensive end. That is not going to happen. He's not big enough. But I will say this: he is somebody who could probably play in a four-three because he can actually. Georgia asks a lot of their players. They're a very good team, obviously year in and year out. So he's. I've seen him drop into coverage. He can do that. He can also rush the passer and do it very, very well. I think if you could find a team that's willing to ask him to do both, uh, we t- Isaiah Simmons. Schemes. Isaiah Simmons got asked, was like a super unicorn last year at his size. I'm not saying Aziz Ojolari is that, but I do think that he can both rush the passer and play some pretty good coverage, take out a tight end, guard a tight end pretty well.
0: For just a side note with that, Isaiah Simmons, I didn't get a chance to watch him as much. I saw some good games, but overall, did he have a good rookie year? Maybe didn't use him very well. Like They
1: finally, towards the half, about midway through the year, they finally decided, why don't we just put him in the box and see what he can do? And it worked well because for a lot of years, they did not deploy him the way I wish they would have deployed him with his ridiculous skill set.
0: They have a type over there. You had Hassan Reddick. You have Isaiah Simmons. These were these uh, tweener size guys that were highly productive and could be used in multiple roles, more of a Swiss Army knife style but they haven't necessarily succeeded there. Is that Arizona as far as how they've been using these guys? Uh, or is it that these players, again, because they just didn't check off one particular box, but they're, uh, like again, jack-of-all-trades, masters-of-none, where does that fall? I I just think that... That's still the money question, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think that the Cardinals really want... They really want to build this fast defense. We've seen him have some Buda Baker's. There is obviously yep, the one that's yep. made the most sense for him. That he's kind of that same player, and it's worked well for him. I think they want to have all these safety hybrid linebackers and just shift it, but they're never willing to commit to it as much as they want to. So they made Hassan Reddick more of like a traditional inside linebacker, and it never really worked the way it should have. And with Isaiah Simmons, I think they should just deploy him at like strong safety yep. and
0: say Buda Bacon, Baker and Simmons. That would be yep. an excellent young safety duo. We'll see if they do it or not, though. Uh, quick question. Hassan Reddick is uh, a free agent a free now after agent. they moved him to outside. He was a terror against quarterbacks. Uh, Twelve and a half sacks uh, among league leaders in and quarter, in quarterback hurries. Uh, do you see him as... Is, is that a one-year wonder right before free agency, or is this a better fit for what he can be as a... Uh, and he was someone who had an intriguing draft stock uh, that now is going to get that chance at, uh, uh, at a second contract. It's not going to be in Arizona. They just
1: made a, paid a lot of money yep. to J.J. Watt. So yep. he will not be back in Arizona, I don't think. I could see him I'm trying to think, what was the deal like when the Chiefs brought in, not Justin Houston, who's the one I'm forgetting, who's the pass rusher the Chiefs brought in? Oh, there's another guy. Harris, no, D Ford. Yep. D Ford, like yep. that type of a contract to play outside linebacker. Uh, that, would, that would seem to be a lot of sense. I think that Hassan Reddick is going to be asked to be an outside linebacker who rushes a quarterback the Steelers obviously have TJ Watt uh, Hassan Reddick is not TJ Watt but they also we'll have Bud Dupree leaving Yeah Bud Dupree's leaving I think that would make a lot of sense for the Pittsburgh
0: So let's take a look at uh at My number 1 hold yeah, on my number 1
1: it. is Quiddy Pay Quiddy Pay of Michigan and this guy here is a physical freak I believe I don't remember who it is at The Athletic, puts out their freaks list every year for college football. He was number one, and there's a reason for that, because people this big should not move like this. Uh, He has unbelievable power. For a guy that size, the twitch is there. He moves as well as anyone I've ever seen. I would say that he needs to work, just because he is so physically gifted, he is another one who has not been asked to develop a lot of pass rush moves, and that's fine. He was great at dominating at Michigan, but... We're not talking NFL defenses. So once again, you need to develop a few moves, but with the size he has and the length he has, I really think that Quiddipay could be a very good player at the NFL. And the effort's another one, just intense through the roof. He's famously an immigrant who's said he wants to really support his family. So you can see the effort there that he really wants to show out all the time.
0: Uh, motivation is always a key factor with, with talents of this size. So already having that out there is, uh, is a big thing when you're looking at a project, right? Normally, the biggest question you have with a project is uh, you, need, you need the motivation there. So obviously, that's a, a check mark in his favor. I have not seen him listed as the number one uh, edge rusher in, uh, in different big boards. And this is where I think COVID has hurt. Here's a guy by already on on the the, uh, the freak of nature list here for the the talent <laughs> level. Um, the combine is where someone like him would have his draft stock shoot up immensely. He's not going to get that this year the way it is from at least from a media hype standpoint. Now, play uh, teams they know this stuff already. Uh, they already know if they're if they're drooling over his size and potential, uh, the the scouting combine is not going to change what they already know. Uh, do you see that being his the, the perception challenge there because of no combine? Uh, and uh, ultimately, do you see him as the first one drafted? I think,
1: so you're talking about the combine. I remember Ziggy Ansah for the Lions, who has not had a great NFL career, but he went to the combine and showed out and got picked top 10, I think. And I think Quiddy Pay could have done that. I think he could have done exactly what, the Giants did, went there, showed out. I'm trying to think, who was the pass rusher two years ago that I wanted instead of Rashawn Gary? Do you remember? Was, uh, Brian Burns, who yes. had a great combine and went and did it. And so I think that type of thing could have happened for Quidipe. Now, you like said, it's not going to happen. I do think that, that Quidipe is going to do great at Michigan's Pro Day. I do think it'll be a first-round pick. Would I be surprised if someone – I said, there's other guys I could, I didn't even mention Jalen Phillips. I didn't even talk about He could very well get picked in the first round. He could get picked first overall. There's probably about six or seven offensive, defensive edge prospects that are very, very highly rated. And I think Witty Pay is a first rounder. I think Aziz Jalari and Jason Owe are first rounders. Greg Rousseau, Joseph Asai from that point on, I think those are more back end, first, early, second. Uh, I have Boogie Basham down here just because it's a great name, and he's a good pass rusher too from Wake Forest. Yep. Uh, Hamil Rashid another great name, who's a good pass rusher from Oregon State. So there there are good pass rush prospects in this draft. It's just each one of them, I Schematic would say, has a fits. little bit of flaw, and you gotta yeah, you gotta you gotta fit them
0: in your defense. Looking at defensive tackles now, uh this is a thin position. Yeah, this is
1: probably the thinnest position, I would say. It's one guy I was, is going to get picked in the first round. I feel very confident about that. And after that, it's a lot of second, third-round players. Yep, yep. I have Levi, Levi Onuzurike at five. He is he's a tight. I know, right? He is a, he's a Washington player. Mountain uh, of a man. He is a huge man, 6'3", 300 pounds. And he also looked great at the senior bowl. And I think that's enough that other than maybe Quinn Miners, I think he probably had the second put best. put him in the ground
0: a couple occasions. Yeah,
1: I think he probably had the second-best senior bowl, and that's going to move him up at back into the first round just because some of these guys will get – I think he's going to get picked earlier than some of these guys I have ahead of him, even though I'm not so sure that he deserves to. But I have him at five. My number four is Jay Tufele, who I like a lot more than actually Levi on and Rosevique. Uh Tufele is a USC guy. And the thing I like about Tufele is he's played all along the defensive line. Now, I think his body size moves him to interior in the NFL. But if you have the right scheme fit where you want stunts. to – stunts. Yeah, stunts or move him around as an edge player. I think he can do all of that for you at a very big size. And he's very, very uh, – like, lateral mobility is definitely something that he has a lot of. Uh, my number three is a player that's – okay, so this is a tough one here. So Marvin Wilson, if you look two years ago, Marvin Wilson's probably a top-10 pick. If he comes out after his junior year, he probably is a top-10 pick last year at Florida State. And then 2019 happened, and it wasn't as good, and Florida State had a rough year. But a lot, much like Rashawn Geary, if we're going back to that, who got triple teamed consistently at Michigan, uh, Marvin Wilson had not a lot of help on that Florida State defensive line. And because of that, it looked like he was getting beat down a lot. He didn't anchor well. A lot of teams just ran almost at him. I do think he needs to take – this is a little bit more projection, maybe than some of these other picks. But an NFL weight room, uh, a little coaching. I think that he is the one in this – class that could be like i think he could be the best in two or three years if you got him the right coaching because four three defensive end like defensive tackle like eddie goldman from the bears that type of player who can really pass rush hold his own i I see that in marvin wilson but it it wasn't on tape necessarily last year as well as it should have been just because there was so much focus on him number two had a great 2019 2020 season davion nixon from iowa uh he had a great year he transferred there as a juco a few years ago and he has some very very athletic very impressive athletic ability Uh, once again it might take a little longer with him just because i said he's only really been at division one college football for a year and it's not a finished product you have to give him a little more time to develop some skill to develop some like skill moves and swipe moves and hand moves to get pay people but if you're willing to wait for him i think he can penetrate a little bit better than some of these other guys who are maybe more like on is more of a run stuffing defensive tackle where some of these guys marvin wilson and davion nixon can rush the passer a bit more and number one is i think almost consensus at this point is going to be christian barmore yep alabama kicks out defensive tackles almost as well as anything And his thing, he had a knee thing for a while, but last year he kind of shook it all off, and you finally saw the Christian Barmore step up into the next defensive tackle at Alabama. Uh, Rocks, he's built very well. He's huge. He can play, he can guard the run and get to the passer. So at Alabama, they kind of asked him to hold up just because they have so much talent around him. But in the NFL, I do think that if you ask him to get after the quarterback, he can get you. Five to ten sacks a year, which out of a ten defensive tackles a lot.
0: Like As, if you get anywhere near that double digit uh, level, you're talking Pro Bowl.
1: I think he's disruptive. I think he'll be very disruptive. Would be the word good I would word. use for him. Good just, word. just get off blocks. I think he can. You can you're either gonna have to. You're gonna have to double team him if you want to hold him back. I think a lot of times, which is what you want on defensive tackles. Uh, very good pick in the back half of the first round. I think.
0: And I think what you've described. This is part of the reason why this is the the weakest position in the draft. Is most of the top five are projection-based. You can see the talent. You're not going to get a day-one starter, uh, at least at the the level that you're hoping for, uh, unless you're going for Christian Barmore. Uh, yep. That's the only one that's going to be a true starter on your defense in, in uh, the 20, uh, 2021 season. Uh, otherwise, uh, it's going to be projection-based and trusting your scouts. I'm going to do one more here at defensive tackle. My sixth guy I have is Jalen Twyman.
1: Uh, mainly because he went to Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh's defensive tackles include a man named Aaron Donald. So Jalen Twyman gets automatically compared to J- Aaron Donald, which is an extremely unfair comparison for any player. But the production was there in 2019. He had 12 tackles for loss and 10 and a half sacks. But then he opted out last season. Which so you're once again you're looking at a guy who was a red shirt sophomore when we last saw him play, and it looked great. Uh the thing for me with Jalen Twyman is he. Definitely needs to get stronger. Like I'm talking about Marvin Wilson and he could hold up. Okay. But he was getting triple teamed when you watch Jalen Twyman, if he doesn't get the first step on someone like immediately get past them, I just don't see him getting by people. So I think Jalen Twyman can be good. The Aaron Donald comparison for anybody is unfair, but he needs, he definitely needs a couple years.
0: Uh, let's look at linebackers. There's obviously a potential top five talent at the top of this, but this is one of the deeper positions uh, in the draft where you can find a, a a solid starter on in the the third round of this draft. And linebackers. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. My number five is Baron Browning, uh, Ohio State
1: University. The dynamic, like the athletic profile with him, is just off the charts. But it's just been like. Ohio State has so many good players that Browning gets, you just don't Lost quite see it. Like, he never really shows up on tape. So, physically, it looks great. It looks incredible. I think he's a sideline to sideline speed. Very good interior, like linebacker prospect, but it's never really been put on tape. And that's partially just because, like I said, Ohio State's had Chase Young and the Boses while he's been there. Uh, tackling, he's very good at it. So, we'll see if he gets it to the next level. I think it would have been interesting to see him at the combine because I think he also would have tested very well. Uh, My number four is Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton is a linebacker from Missouri, and you want to talk about sideline to sideline speed, this is the guy you want to talk about. This is the one player that I feel, well, eh, there's another one coming up too, but I feel like is going to be an excellent middle linebacker in the NFL uh, just because he gets between the tackles and he can give some big hits. He's already got the build that you want to look for in a player. Uh, I'm not sure he's a very good player cover guy we Missouri didn't really ask him to do that and that's partially because the big 12 doesn't really ask a lot of that out of their middle linebackers they want you to try to defend the interior run from a team like Oklahoma or Oklahoma State so I don't know how well he can cover maybe zone could be his thing but as far as tacklings go sideline to sideline I think Nick Bolton
0: is he might be the best one in this draft at that if a team feels that he has a ceiling to develop into a cover linebacker, uh, then you'll see him targeted sooner rather than later.
1: My number three, I do believe. From here on out, I think these next three will all go in the first round. Uh, Nick Bolton could sneak into the back of it, but I do think these next three will all go in the first round. Jeremiah Awusu Koromoa, I talk about a name again Mouthful. from North from Notre Dame. So this one is. I don't know if he's going to play. I don't think he's playing inside. I think he'll play as an outside linebacker in a 4-3, but this guy is another just physical specimen when you watch. Uh, he's not going to be an interior linebacker in the NFL because I don't know if he can do that, but he can, he he has unbelievable range. He's explosive. He can get after it. It's, a lot of like competitive toughness too. I have down here too. He he's excellent at defending like the pass. Where I said I don't know if Nick Bolton can do it. I know Jeremiah Wusikora can guard tight ends. I've seen him do that at Notre Dame. They ask him to do that. It's he gets after it. The one thing I would say is he's not great at taking on blocks. Uh, he's not great at taking on blocks. And once again, that's something you can learn in the NFL. You get stacked up. You got to learn how to shed it off. So flexible. He makes all the moves that you want. It's just a matter of, can you teach him how to get off of a block?
0: And I think that's the next question, too, with uh, someone who's got a more physique for it, but you still need to see it, and that's Zaven Collins. That's my number two. I figured that's what was coming.
1: on a roll here. So, Tulsa, the only team program that offered him a scholarship, and last year he rewarded him with the Nagurski Trophy for the de- best defensive player in the country. This guy would be the one guy, I said that, as Nick Bolton it probably gets outdone a little bit by Zaven Collins who can move sideline to sideline uh, starting inside linebacker I think you could put him at inside linebacker from day one uh, we kind of what I thought Patrick Queen could be last year and Patrick Queen was not particularly very good for the Baltimore Ravens I think Zaven Collins is that uh, he gets sideline to sideline I've seen him drop into coverage the he plays the Tulsa he plays against teams like SMU which asks a lot as far as defending the pass and for him it's before last year, I would say he did not tackle particularly well. Uh, you can go back and watch him in 2019. He would get to the ball, and he would not wrap up very well. Last year, he took another step, and because he wasn't a great tackler before that, and he's not maybe as physically gifted. I know he's not as physically gifted as Jeremiah Busakoramoa, but he is a very smart football player. He rarely takes a wrong step, and Zaven Collins is a very good player who should go on the back end after the first round.
0: And I don't know if NFL teams are, have a consensus opinion on inside or outside. He's got the uh, he's got the size, anyways, that he could do outside. But there's the questions on whether or not the, uh, like you said, the uh, some of the, those skill set uh, there for showing the the strong tackling. Whether you can set the edge, uh, he needs to prove that he can stack and shed that way. Uh, do you see a Kyle Van Noy comparison there? Mm. I'm not sure he's that big. I don't
1: think he's going to. And Noy's a fairly big player who, like at times, they've asked him to play like right on the
0: edge, right? They've asked mm-hmm. him to move onto the line. I don't think Zayvon Collins is moving up to the defensive line. Okay, number one, we have the uh, the clear number one here, uh, Micah Parsons.
1: So Parsons didn't play last year either, twenty twenty. He opted out, and then recently his stock has started to drop due to some hazing scandal things which is tough and we don't know a whole lot about it if you read some of the information it's rather disturbing and that and if it comes out that it's true you could see him go undrafted if that comes out true that is how disturbing some of those things are so on the field though Micah Parsons is a top five pick top five in this draft he is the best linebacker prospect that I've seen in the last two years since we've started doing this, at least, Micah Parsons is the best linebacker prospect. He's an amazing blitzer. He's sideline to sideline. He does everything for Penn State. He also has an unbelievable amount of explosiveness. Like, his ability to get off a ball carry like, when he sees a ball carrier where he's going, he is on him in a heartbeat. It is impressive to watch Micah Parsons play. It's just a matter of – so you got two years of tape, right, and we didn't see him play last year. And then you got to get the the off-the-field
0: stuff. It has to be resolved or – or he will fall in this draft for a ways. We've seen different players for off-the-field issues uh, fall or, or drop. Uh, uh, the the extent of, of what's uh, there, what gets uh, in, investigated and proven, uh, will tell what type of a fall. I think just the fact that there's, uh, unless this is going to be completely debunked, I think just the fact that this is a shadow is going to cause him to be pushed down. The question is, is it the middle of the first round, or is it... Uh, not at all. That's, that's what we still need to find out in the uh, coming uh, weeks and two months.
1: I will say this about Micah Parsons. He is a rare athlete. There are not many people on planet Earth who can do what Micah Parsons can do, do can do on the field. The last one I talk about here, my sixth guy, I have Dylan Moses because Dylan Moses, another Alabama guy who should have probably been a first-round had He went out last year and he came back, and the knee injury was clearly affecting Dylan Moses last season. Uh, his sideline-to-sideline side speed was not what it used to be. I think that you can probably get him in the third round now and maybe another year removed from that knee injury, he will go back to being that sideline-to-sideline player because if he came out last year, I would have put him right behind Micah Parsons as the number two linebacker in this class. Uh,
0: Someone with a good scouting department is going to see that bank on the uh, uh, coming back healthy and getting themselves a a steal probably more in the the third round. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we'll see what happens there. Cornerback, uh, again, another one that has some some depth. Uh, There's definitely some top-tier uh, at uh, prospects at the top, oh, yeah. but uh, you get projection-based once you get down a little bit further.
1: There are two incredible ones in this, pros- in this class, and cornerback's another important position in the NFL, right? It's one of the most important positions, so there's probably going to be... I could see five of these guys, actually all five of the ones I have on here, maybe even one more getting picked in the first round just because it is such an important position, but there are two real rock-solid ones that I feel confident starting from day one. Uh, my number five is Greg Newsom? Greg Newsom is moving up a lot of draft boards right now. You hear a lot of talk about Greg Newsom. He is a cornerback from Northwestern. I think that he can be asked, the, the advantage of Greg Newsom is you can ask him, and we should really talk about those small cornerbacks. You have to find the right scheme fit, right? Is it, you're going to play zone? Are you going to play man? Are you going to ask him to play cover two, which is two deep safeties? Are you going to ask him to play cover three? Uh, I think Greg Newsom can do almost all of that stuff, which makes him valuable because I've seen him, especially at Northwestern, be has to play man coverage and play zone. So that's why I like Greg Newsom five. My number four I have is JC Horn. He's a South Carolina guy, son of Joe Horn. So the former Pro Bowl receiver for the Saints.
0: Uh,
1: he was great against the SEC at times. He showed that he could play the slot and he's moved outside. The thing with JC Horn that has him down this far for me is he doesn't even attempt to tackle. Um, <laughs> Like there's cornerbacks who are not great tacklers. j c. horn doesn't even attempt to do it. It will come after him, and he's perfectly fine just letting you get baffed, just letting you get by him. And it's weird, too, because he's one of the bigger cornerback prospects in this class. We're going to talk about just some massive one towards the top. but he's one of the bigger cornerback prospects in this class. So you'd think that he would be a good tackler. and if he would put out some effort tackling, I think he could be at least number three, if
0: not even higher in this class. There is a lot of. Uh, bloodlines, and we're going to talk a little bit more as we move up this strat, but there's a solid bloodlines that are here of uh, uh, sons of, 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 pl- of former players, former Pro Bowl players, uh, and long career players that uh, are here. Here's a
1: bloodline guy right here. This is the one that I think is, I, Asante Samuel Jr., I think is a Jair Alexander clone. If he was two inches taller he would be every bit as high as up as the next two I'm going to talk about. But his his thing is just he's not good enough. Although Florida State asks Asante Samuel Jr. to do everything that you could ask for in a cornerback. He is, even though he's not
0: as big, he is about five foot nine. And they produce some very good cornerbacks yes, at that program.
1: If he was two inches taller, I'm telling you, he would be every bit as highly regarded as Sertan and Farley, who I have at numbers one and two here. But he can play zone. He can play man. He's extremely fast. uh because he's 5'9", people want to put him into to say, oh, he's got to be a slot cornerback because he's small. Uh, no, I, I have every bit of confidence that Asante Samuel Jr. has all the competitive toughness, much like his father, to play outside cornerback in the NFL from day one. I would be ecstatic if the Packers
0: drafted him at the end of the first round. That's my pick right now. That would be the one I want. Well, and, and again, there's – in, in today's NFL, where you're getting three and four wide, uh, becoming more of the base offense for it, uh, it's it used to be a slight to say, well, you can only be an, uh, a slot corner. You need a slot corner. And someone who has that skill set, even even if someone doesn't, if they want more size on the outside, which, again, he'll show with his play that don't worry about the size, let the man play. But still, um, uh, you need, a, 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 if he can be a Pro Bowl on the inside, it doesn't matter, you're getting a Pro Bowl player. Yeah, I agree. Let's keep up the uh, bloodlines here. Let's go to number two. I have Patrick Sertan,
1: the second, at number two. Another guy whose daddy played cornerback in the NFL. I enjoyed watching him play. Yeah, you did, I'm sure. And so I've enjoyed watching Patrick Sertan Jr. play for Alabama. It's He's been a highly regarded player since he got there. He was a five-star recruit, which is what they get a lot of. And he's been one where, honestly... The film always doesn't look great with Patrick Sertan just because there is hardly any film of people ever throwing him the ball at him. They will not throw the ball at that side of the field. Uh, From day one, I think Patrick Sertan is going to be asked to guard NFL players as a starting NFL cornerback, and I think he will be just fine. It's better if you can ask him an oppressed man. um, Just like his dad. Just like his dad. I think that would be better. You you can mix zone in. I think uh, just like Asante Samuel, you can mix zone in. You want him to play man. But uh, Patrick Sertan is a very good player, and it's hard to you're splitting hairs if you're going between Patrick Sertan and my number one is Caleb Farley. Caleb Farley is Virginia Tech, uh, another just physical. This one, it, Caleb Farley gets bumped up here because people this big don't usually play cornerback. He is about six foot three, which is really big for a cornerback. But he is every bit. He put a video on Instagram or a picture on Instagram a few weeks ago where he said he was running four two five. I don't know if he'll run four two five, but you could easily convince me that he's running four three. And I would believe that at that size, at that size, uh, there are very few cornerbacks in the league that can do that. He has all the potential to, to be a, a shutdown cornerback from day one. Like I think he could be Patrick Peterson in his first year. That's how good I think Caleb Farley can be. I think Patrick Sertan's very good. I think Asante Samuel's very good. And after that, it's, it's a fit, but those three I think could fit in any system.
0: And the first two, you're looking at a top 10 capable.
1: Yep. I think it's probably going to be more like 15. I know the Cowboys would love to get one of them right away. I think that would be a great fit. Actually, Caleb Farley is kind of like Byron Jones. Maybe a little... Actually, maybe a little faster, but that type of player,
0: I think that would be a great fit for one of them. But I think both of those two are gone in the top 15 for sure. Looking at uh, safeties as we complete our defensive coverage, uh, who do you have for your top five? (sighs) Ready for this name? Talanoa Hufanga is my number five from USC. That's not a real person. From
1: USC. So... He he is an amazing tackler. He loves he loves to tackle, but I don't know how good his coverage is. He's one of the t- the put in the box type of safeties. He loves to come downhill, come downhill and hit people. Um, it's just he had four interceptions this last season, so he, it did show more coverage ability. But his best fit is going to be asked to play in the box, play your interior box role, and see if you can make some more tackles. My number four is most players. People are going to have him as number one, and that's Javon Holland. He is an Oregon Duck. Uh, I just I know what people see in him, but it's more projection that I think that I'm willing to give because I think some of these other players have shown it more so than Javon Holland has. It's going to have to be the thing that Javon Holland offers that some of these other guys doesn't. Is I think that if nothing else, he can play. He could play slot cornerback on top of being a safety. But that versatility, while it's great, you're talking about like. Jack of all trades, master of none. I some of these guys ahead of him, I trust to be more safety, better safeties than I trust Javon Holland. I think Javon Holland's a good player, but it could be as a slot corner more than
0: a safety. The uh, uh, the interchangeability, the uh the way of being able to do multiple things. More things are being asked of, of uh, safeties than ever before, of coming down to the slot or moving to the the high one uh, uh, position there. Uh, Coming down into the box. It, it's all uh versatility is so key anymore at this position.
1: My number three is Andre Sisko from Syracuse. And here is the the opposite of Javon Holland. So Javon or actually more like the opposite of Tula Hana Fangu. So if Fangu's playing down in the box, Andre Sisko is the Earl Thomas, free ranging, go out and try to make all the interceptions you can. And it showed up. He's played 24 college games, he has 13 interceptions and 14 pass breakups, which is incredible. But it's – uh he's hunting for those types of plays. So he he lets some coverage like lapses happen too. And that's not great in a safety. It's a lot of physical tools. You want him – You to if you want someone to play too deep zone though and just say drop back and try to make as many plays as you can or even one deep and just be a free-ranging, free safety, I think Andre Sisco is going to be very good at that. Kind of like Darnell Savage for the Packers actually. Uh, my number two – and I, I must have just have a thing for Florida State guys. Hamsa uh, Nazruldeen, another guy who I thought he was incredible in 2019. You go watch it back and watch 2019, and he looks, he looks like Grant Delpit from last year. And if you remember Grant Delpit, I was yeah. all about Grant Delpit. He's someone who dropped more than I thought would yeah, last second year. round. I didn't really watch him this year either, so I don't know how he did. But and then Nazruldeen tore his ACL late in 2019, and it was a non-contact thing. So we only saw him t- two games last season, 2020, and. It, other than that, I think the thing that he needs to improve on is he's not a great tackler, but he has just incredible physical gifts. He is, once again, a huge dude uh, like Jeremy Chin, much like Jeremy Chin or was it um, Kyle Duggar? Those safeties we saw last year who were like 6'4", 6'5". That's how big Dean is. Extremely gifted in that. He will hit you hard. It's just a matter of is he recovered from the knee and can he play as a single high safety or is it an in the box safety?
0: Just a quick note on Grant Delpit. He had an injury uh, that no. kept him from, uh, from playing. My number one is Trayvon Morig, and
1: that is a safety for TCU. And this is a guy here that you want him to be your free safety. This is the one I said, Andre Cisco is a little more projectable. Trayvon Morig, I think from day one is a free safety in the NFL. Uh, not a great tackler again, but he can play man coverage. If you need somebody to play man, he can play man. He can play zone. And uh, a lot of teams tried to hit him with double moves last year, and that sort of worked on him. He gets a little too aggressive, I would say, if anything. But that's what you thats what you want to coach into him. I, if nothing else, he's an immediate special teams ace. He's going to be great at that. Uh, before I get off of TCU, they had another great safety who would probably be my number one safety, named Ardarius Washington. But I'm not sure Adarius Washington's 5 foot 8. I don't think he is. I think he's about 57 and 170 pounds and he as plays like his position. He plays like his heart is on like his head
0: is on fire. He is all over the field. He hits you. He will put all the effort out there in the world, but it is just too small. Someone that can be an excellent uh special teams ace and then surprise and in uh, spurts uh as part of defensive uh I just can't use. imagine
1: him trying to guard a tight end though. That's the thing. Like I would love to see him play some f- We've seen was Bob Sanders was very small was great for the Colts, but you, those are rare players.
0: So let's talk about the uh, the position that always gets all of the the buzz, uh, and that's the, the quarterback position. We have a clear number one. Uh, you can put his name on the uh, on the ticket already, uh, and unless something funny or weird happens, but uh, uh, let's talk about top five. So again, we know that there's going to be three and and we can talk debate on two and three. So I'll be curious to see who your number two and number three are. Uh, But let's talk top five quarterbacks in this draft. Uh,
1: Number five is Mac Jones. You probably saw him winning a national championship for Alabama this year. But before the season started, there was talk Mac Jones wasn't going to be the quarterback at Alabama. They have next year. You'll get to see Bryce Young, the top prospect from a couple years ago. And I believe he's going to be incredible too. there. So there was talk Mac Jones wasn't even going to play for this team. Now, what we saw was he has average arm strength, but he throws a very nice deep ball. Uh, he can get it out to all the different parts of the field. And because he doesn't have as big of an arm strength as, say, a Trevor Lawrence, who we're going to talk about in a little bit here, he is a pretty good at anticipating this. Now, he also has incredible surround, like incredible playmakers around him. He has incredible college protection, but he's playing in the SEC. It's the hardest conference in the, league, in the world to play in. And we've seen him play at a high-tier level. So – I said Jared Goff. I think that's about right. I think it's Jared Goff. He's not mobile at all. The rest of these guys we're going to talk about are extremely mobile. He basically, from what I've seen, he doesn't move. And so uh, he's slender. It's not very big. You're going to need to build it. If you're going to put Mac Jones out there right away, you're going to need to build a solid offensive line and the Buccaneers just did that, right? Tom Brady isn't exactly a mover either and they won a Super Bowl with him. So you build him a good offensive line and you get him like a system that has deep shots, but you really want you want the more West Coast short attack and then every so often ask
0: him to chuck it deep and keep the defense on this type of thing. It's interesting the type of quarterbacks that have come through is wide wide range as far as uh, different skill sets. Normally programs have their prototype, right? Uh, but when you look at uh, uh, here, it's not always uh, the case. You have Jalen Hurts who fits the uh, uh, the RPO. Same thing with, with uh, two attacking on Valoa uh, jones fits more the west coast offense style
1: yeah and the alabama that's they've part of that's because they turn over offensive coordinators left and right because they usually get head coaching jobs we've seen lane kiffin sarkeesian got one this year he's going to texas but i i do think mac jones is going to get i have him graded as a day two pick i think he'll get picked in the first round because he does play quarterback in the nfl Uh, i don't think he makes it past the patriots at 15 or what is it 15 that the patriots pick at it's
0: 15. I was right. Look at me go. I don't think he makes it past the Patriots at 15. Think uh, Deshaun Watson attends any uh, Alabama games this year? (sighs) You never know, (laughs) I suppose.
1: My number four... Sorry, did you want to say something? No, no, go ahead. My number four, and this is going to be controversial. I don't know. Most people are going to have this guy number two, I think, or at least most people project him to be the number two pick in the draft, and that's Zach Wilson, the Mormon manzel. He went to BYU. If you've seen Zach Wilson play... It's fun. It's it's great to watch Zach Wilson. He can run around back there. He definitely escapes pressure. I don't think Zach Wilson is bad. I really don't. I just have him behind Justin Fields and Trey Lance, where a lot of people are going to have him ahead of those guys. It it reminds me of Baker Mayfield. He's he's very athletic. I don't want to give shoot poo-poo his athleticism. He gets he can move as well as anyone I've seen. Uh it's decision-making is is rough. There are times where He's very careless with the football. I've mentioned before, I think he's Jameis Winston without, I think he's a lot more like Jameis Winston than he is Baker Mayfield. And I don't, I like Jameis. Jameis was a great player, but the NFL today is you cannot turn the ball over. And you can coach that, right? Zach Wilson can be coached. You say, Zach, you got to go through your progressions. And if not, take off and run or dump it down. And if that happens, he's going to be great. But if he does not rein in some of his freewheeling
0: ways, it could be, we saw Jameis Winston get benched last year. So you're not in agreement with Chris Sims, uh, oh boy, who what's Chris has Sims like? uh, who always says something. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he's becoming a Woody Page is where mm-hmm. I, I'm putting him at at that level, which is not, not a, a compliment. compliment. No. Uh, but he said, "I'm blown away by Zach Wilson. This is an Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Brett Favish type of guy. Brett Favre, maybe he's, he's Aaron
1: Rodgers and like has never turned the ball over. Zach Wilson's going to turn the ball over two times as many times." maybe three times as many times as Aaron Rodgers does in a season. Patrick Mahomes, like, that is an unbelievable skill set that I also wasn't a fan of when he came out of Texas Tech. I'm not going to lie about that. He was extremely careless with the ball, too, at Texas Tech. Now, he got to Andy Reid, which is a great quarterback's coach. They built an offense around Patrick Mahomes, and it worked out. Like They've been to a Super Bowl. They've been to two Super Bowls. But at the time, I was worried about Patrick Mahomes. Now, he also has a massive arm. Uh, Zach Wilson does not. I do not see that. He does not have as big of an arm as lawrence fields lance he is probably competitive to mac jones but uh he he's clearly a good leader he's ability he can move around in the pocket i said you could get tony romo right like you could get someone like that you could get i'm not saying patrick mahomes i won't say that to anybody but you you could easily get patrick you could easily get tony romo if you built this right where he moves around he makes some good throws he leads your team well but you could get Jameis Winston. That's all I'm going to say. You could get a guy who is very physically gifted. James, nobody's going to doubt Jameis Winston's physical gifts. But if you cannot rein
0: in the bad decisions, it's a lot of turnovers, and it's it's a bench roll. Decision-making and progression reading. Those are the biggest qualities that make or break a quarterback at this level.
1: Number three is the hardest one to to talk about here. Not talk about, but to evaluate because – He's extremely young. I think he's the youngest player in this class. He's just turned 20. He was born in the year 2000, which makes me feel really old. Uh, Trey Lance, he also only played one game last year because he went to North Dakota State, and so they they only played one game last season. But the last time we saw Trey Lance play, if you haven't seen the numbers, it is incredible. I think it was 39 touchdowns to one interception between his rushing and his passing. He's asked – at North Dakota State, they famously ask you to do a lot. That's where Carson Wentz went. They famously ask you to do a lot as a quarterback, like an NFL set where they ask you, ask you to watch a lot of tape. He was calling out protections. I, I heard that on, I think it was Dane Brugger's podcast, where he was asked to call out protections. He was asked to make adjustments at the line. A lot of these college quarterbacks are not asked to do that. It's here's the play, run it. And so – He's more of an NFL-ready passer, I think, than some of these guys, even though we, we didn't see him play this year. And physically gifted, uh, there's nobody more physically gifted. Not Maybe Trevor Lawrence, but I'd even say that Trey Lance is more physically gifted than Justin Fields. He is that type of a, an athlete. He can run as well as anybody. He has extremely good accuracy when we've seen him play. It's a matter of him being young and not playing last year. And otherwise than that, I just don't see, beyond that, I don't see what's bad about Trey Lance, where people are dropping him Most people are going to have him fourth, and I will be willing to say that he's more likely to be two than four.
0: The challenge, obviously, is projection, right? There's just not a lot of recent tape. Uh, You're intrigued by someone who's been building uh, the skill set being pushed to grow in that position more than most college quarterbacks are, so that definitely intrigues you. Carson Wentz, again, the issue isn't his performance. It's been durability, uh, but he came in highly regarded uh, coming out of there, so that gives you a little bit more... Uh, thought when you're looking at more of a smaller school uh type uh but yeah it, it's definitely projection based with lance i you know with trey lance is
1: he went 287 attempts without an interception at one point setting the ncaa record now if you go back and watch it's a little lucky sometimes he misses his tendency is he misses the throw high if he does anything because he doesn't step into it very well he misses throws high uh my, i have ryan Tannehill down as a comparison for him i think that's a great one Tannehill's pretty athletic he's
0: had a nice nfl career i at, at worst I think that Trey Lance could turn into Ryan Tannehill and, and mechanics can be taught now not not always uh, some you guys have bad mechanics but mechanics is the one thing that with a good uh, quarterbacks coach you can develop that and so uh, uh, a small problem like that can be uh, corrected in the NFL my number two was
1: Justin Fields and I think it's because he plays at Ohio State and he is such a notable college football player he went to georgia famously and transferred out of georgia because he wasn't going to get to play so he transferred to ohio state and that's what just made him so notable that I, he's getting dinged for things that i just don't see i just do not see what justin fields can't do that some of these other especially zach wilson i know that people want to talk talk zach wilson too and i think that it, the way it sounds is he might go to i just don't see how justin fields isn't a better prospect uh his has unbelievable mechanics. He makes it look effortless as he's throwing this ball. Seven. You'll see him just chuck it seventy yards down the field, and it doesn't even look like he's putting out any effort into it. He moves well in the pocket. He's very big. He could, like physical runner. Like if you can ask him to run, he can run. Uh, I'm not even sh- Carson. Not even Carson Wentz. I don't know if we have an NFL Dak Prescott. I guess would be the one. It's Dak Prescott. Is this big quarterback who can push and pick up five, six, seven yards? So you want to put him in an RPO option? He can do that. You want to put him as a true downfield passer? He can do that. I Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott—that's the type of player I think that Justin Fields could be. 6'3",
0: 227 pounds is what's uh, he's strong listed. too. Yeah,
1: there's just not many quarterbacks at that size, so I think he gets dinged for things unfairly. I if I'm if I'm the Jets, too much tape almost, almost too much tape. If I'm the Jets, there's no way I'm not taking Justin Fields. If I do decide to take Zach Wilson, like I, I I like Sam Darnold. I said that before when we started this, but if you're going to take a quarterback, to me, it's Justin Fields. I just think that it's, it, it's an unbelievable skill set that all you really need to teach Justin Fields is you have to get off your first progression. You have to get through two, three progressions, then run. Don't go through. His thing right now is he wants to see one if it's not open, which at Ohio State a lot of times they were open because they have an unbelievable offense. Throw or go. Yeah, it was throw or it was take off. If you can get him to
0: go through three progressions and then run, he's going to be unbelievably good in the NFL. This is another one we'll look back on in the uh, in a year's time and we do a review to see uh, uh, right? Justin Fields uh, with that. So we will turn our attention to uh, running back. You didn't even set me say number one. Oh, I guess I could let you go ahead and go for it. Well,
1: number one is Trevor Lawrence. There isn't a whole lot to say <laughs> here. Uh, it's the he's been the number one. Pro, he could have been the number one pick if he'd have went out the last two years. Obviously, he legally he couldn't until this year, or the rules. Was, but it's a huge arm. It's unbelievable skill set. It's just little bit of decision making there, but that's picking a knit.
0: And so we have, uh, uh, like I said, you could easily see one, two, three. Uh, with Lawrence Wilson-Fields in whatever order for uh, for two and three most likely. You can make a case uh, for uh, for both. And uh, as well as, again, there's two other quarterbacks that are likely to be taken in the first round. I, I guess uh, before we moved to running backs, is there a, uh, a second to fourth round, like middle round uh, quarterback that is worth developing that m- might uh, have uh, an opportunity?
1: Yeah, my late quarterback that I like is Shane Bouchelle. Uh, he went, he started at Texas. He's been at SMU the last couple of years. It's kind of a rhythm passer. He's not very big, whereas he's only one. And I think that if you had him, I have down Colt McCoy, like a career NFL backup who's been solid his whole career, can step in when you need him, can run a different offense. That That's who I think Shane Bouchel can become in the right fit.
0: Now as we look at running back, uh, this is one of the stronger positions in the draft. In fact, the last two positions we're going to be talking about, well, three. Uh, uh, Running back and receiver is deep in this uh, this draft. Running back, who's your top five?
1: My number five is Michael Carter, which is the first of my Tar Heels running backs. There's going to be another one. Michael Carter is basically Giovanni Bernard. You put him in the right zone rushing scheme. He's not very big, very tiny actually, but boy can he catch and the burst is on you you watch the tar heels play the last couple years and it is fun to watch those teams if he
0: can uh pass block show Mm -hmm. pass block well you're talking about an automatic third down back to begin with as well as being part of a a running back rotation we will get back
1: to north carolina in a second here but i'm going to jump to memphis where kenneth gainwell is my number four running back uh he's incredible those numbers back it up the thing with Kenneth Gainwell is Memphis has put out running backs in the NFL for a while now and it's because they have such a weird spread rushing system that it boosts their numbers we saw Antonio Gibson get drafted last year we've seen D'Angelo Williams and they have otherworldly running back numbers there so then you have to figure out okay well how good really is he well we've only got one year of Kenneth Gainwell playing running back there because I said they had Antonio Gibson so
0: 2020 was really the only year we've seen him play and Gibson uh showed out well. It mean, had some, a little bit of injury issues in, in some games, but he, his performance was good as a rookie. Yeah, he was very good, yeah. And game well, I think
1: he's going to be good. Uh, he needs to bulk up a little bit. He's not quite as big as I'd like him to be, but I think that, you, once again, another spread spread zone system. Like You put him in San Francisco, and it's going to be an awesome fit. So something like that, uh, he can also catch the ball very well. The only thing is, you don't know how durable he was, like I said, just because you saw it one year, and Never really been asked to be the featured running back there until, until
0: that. I the uh, there's a clear three here. There's there's good depth of this position, but there is a clear three. My
1: number three, and I I really want to put him two. I don't. I have him at three. But it's Javante Williams, who is the other North Carolina running back. Uh, you watch Javante Williams run, and this is a this is like. The fit that they had at North Carolina with Javante Williams and Michael Carter, like NFL teams were killed to have that fit. Where you have a big, powerful guy like Javante Williams, he is running guys over. He is, i believe he broke the most tackles in college football last year, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Like he is excellent at breaking tackles. You could see him in almost any fit. Like you want a power run, I think Javante Williams can do that. You want to run out of zone, he can do that. A one-cut system, he can
0: do that. Uh, it's not that he has bricks for hands. I think there's still something there. It's not his uh, complete skill set, but when you had Carter there, he wasn't needed for that. Yeah. And they both got asked, they got asked to run like different routes. So you see a lot of like little option routes.
1: They would ask Michael Carter and Javante Williams to run like wheel routes up the sideline, which you don't see a lot of a college football. We're going to talk to another, we're going to do another guy in a second who can do a lot of that too. But I have Todd Gurley down for Javante Williams. I actually don't love it. I think he might be better than Todd Gurley. Like I know that, Really, Todd Gurley. A lot of people say Nick Chubb, and that's probably a better fit, actually, is Nick Chubb who's got yeah. very good hands and can push it up the field. So Javante Williams is going to be very good in the NFL. I would love to put him
0: to. I still have Travis Etienne at too. He just has that home run potential. I mean that ultimately that's uh he can uh he can take it to the house and anywhere that he is. If he gets that open spot, uh he's dangerous in uh in open field. Oh he's a nightmare when he hits in the open field. He, He's got unbelievable contact balance. Like, for a guy, he's not nearly as
1: big as – like, Javante Williams is huge. I don't know how big Travis Etienne is, but he is not as big as Javante Williams. Uh, He can catch the ball. He's not very good at bass blocking. He's not very good at that. They've never really asked him to do that too much. But he just gets – he's late getting there, and that's his problem. But as far as running back goes, like – I don't know how many games I saw at Clemson where he would have 15 carries and he would have 200 yards rushing. Now, that's partially because teams are worried about Trevor Lawrence, but Travis ETM gets by you. There is no more explosive player right now in the NFL. There, he is probably going to be the fastest running back the day he steps in the field in the NFL. 5'10",
0: 205 pounds. That's actually more heavy than I thought he was. but Which means he can still operate as an in-between uh, the tackles. He also has a little fumbling. I mean, he's not a bad
1: fumbler, but he has had some fumbling issues. So
0: he's got to deal with some of that.
1: I I do think that Travis, I do think Travis Etienne is probably still going to get picked second. Uh, There was a lot, a long time where a lot of people thought he would get picked first as a first round pick. I think he's a second round pick. I think Javante Williams is a second round pick. I actually think all four of the guys I talked about so far could go in the second round. This last guy, though, that I have. scheme fit would probably be the best uh, for him. Oh, for E ten? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. If you could put him in a zone scheme, absolutely. The number one guy I have, though, I think Keek is going to go in the first round, uh, just because it's he does all of this well that we've talked about. He is built extremely well. He's got he can take a pounding. He's he can run people over. He can catch the ball like probably the best of this class actually, which is unbelievable for a man that big. But Najee Harris, Alabama, uh, he takes on contact. He falls forward. He can catch. He can block. It is just a matter of. What scheme are you going to put him in? Because he is going to be successful in
0: any one of them, I think. I have almost no concerns about Najee Harris being good in the NFL. Scouts have rated him as higher than Derrick Henry. Uh, now, Derrick Henry obviously is a little bit more of the like the, the pound you into the, the ground type. Harris can do that, but what sets him different is that he does have that receiving uh, capability that's uh, a very much a strong uh, strong suit. I have Matt Forte down from my Najee Harris comparison. Who I
1: think he had a couple hundred yep. reception seasons, and I, I think I'm not saying that Najee Harris is going to catch hundred balls, but if you told me that Najee Harris, I'd, if he lands in the right spot, has a thousand yards rushing and fifty
0: catches as a rookie, I would not be surprised at all. Omar Kelly of the uh, Sun Sentinel in the in Miami. Uh, is uh, pounding the table for him at 18 a lot of Miami. people are a lot of people are another guy like he has i think one fumble in his
1: two seasons as a starter at alabama so you're not going to worry about him fumbling the ball he's going to catch everything he
0: once he sees a hole he hits it and that would be a perfect fit for them i think running backs are almost to the point of being underrated uh but that's because there's there's quantity uh that also produces quality uh This position is pushed down both in free agency as well as in the draft. Uh, Do you think his talent is enough? It's been a while since we've had a running back taken in in the top half of the first round or close to that. 18 is, you know, right at about that that first point. Do you feel that he's at that level to be taken there, or do you think that ultimately he he slides down?
1: I'm trying to go back and see. When was the last time we had one? It was Josh Jacobs went 24. Um. That's a good question. I know that, I think it was Charlie Cass really, maybe, or someone has him going at like three. And I was like, uh, no, that ain't going to happen. We, have, I don't know if we'll ever see another running back go
0: at three. I uh, know Brian Flores, uh, this is his type of guy, uh, but not at three. I, I think 18 is very possible, which for,
1: an, for a running back at this point, you, we saw Jonathan Taylor fall the second round, right? Jonathan Taylor was unbelievable last year, and we saw him going to the second round. So could he go at 18? Yeah, I think Najee Harris could go at 18 uh Leonard Fournette went five that was the last time we saw someone really go high It was four to the Jaguars I think that actually Najee Harris is a better player than Leonard Fournette was at that point but the NFL's changing so I don't think it I don't think he's going to go in the top half I think he'll go in the back half of the first round
0: I man I do believe he's a first round pick like uh, uh like Clyde's Edward Hilaire was uh but uh and, and- I'll be honest, I could actually see Javante Williams sneaking into the end of the first round because people love his physical style. I think that the upside is there. Kind of like a uh, that he'll get an A.J. Dillon type of push as far as someone who's making the, the, the decision-making on teams. I think he gets bumped up, and if a team realizes they want him uh, and they're not going to be able to get him in the second round to jump the line to get him, he's the one I could see. I could see him actually being drafted over Etienne Mm-hmm. Not, I, oh, yeah, I, I think he's a, I think a better talent, but as far as a team trying to get that right fit, I could see him jumping in that and still sneaking in the end of the first round. I absolutely could buy that Javante Williams gets picked before Travis Etienne. That I'll agree. I don't know about the back end of the first round. That We'll have to look at that sometime. But. I, I don't think necessarily that's the right value fit. I just could see it happening. Uh, let's take a look at... Uh, Tight end, just a little bit here. I kind of lumped him with with receiver, but oh, there's there's uh, there's the obvious number one who you could you could evaluate. People called him Mike Evans as a potential uh, receiver, in that line. And if you take a look at his tape, my goodness, uh, there's a talent there. Well, let me do the big three of tight yeah, ends. How about yeah. that? There's three really
1: big name tight ends. There's Pat Fryermuth, who is a Penn State guy. He is more of classic. the classic tight end set. Like he can block. Uh, I've seen him align right like he can play along the line as a normal tight end. He can get split out threat. wide. Uh, baby I've, Gronk
0: is the name I've heard. Baby heard.
1: Gronk. Yeah, there's a lot of Baby Gronks in the college yeah. football nowadays. <laughs> uh, Everyone's I do baby think Gronk. that there's a chance that he gets picked by Tampa Bay, or Tampa Bay by Kansas City at the back end of the first round and it could be a replacement someday for Travis Kelsey. I think that would be a great fit. Uh, number two, I actually have is Brevin Jordan. Brevin Jordan is not the traditional tight end like Patrick youth is, but He is another just dynamic weapon. This is a Miami guy, and he can move uh, exciting, like Darren Waller type of abilities in the open field, but they don't really ask him to run much of a route tree. You don't really see him do a whole lot. And I'll say this, he will give it all, his all at run blocking. I've seen him like try to run block. He isn't particularly good at it uh, but because he's just not strong enough. But I do think he wants to do that. Uh, that's why I have Revan Jordan ahead of Pat Frymuth. I think a lot of people probably have Pat Frymuth higher just because it's more of a n- traditional skill set. But number one that you're talking about is clearly Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts will probably be the highest tight end we've seen drafted. In a long time. Like Hawkinson went, what, nine? I think, yeah. I think Kyle Pitts could go before that. I do too. It's just such an unbelievably rare skill set. 6'6". Uh, six, six. And he plays to every bit of that at Florida. Um, he can play He can play as a traditional tight end in the slot. He's not going to block at all, really. But he can certainly play wide receiver. He can play in the slot. Uh, unbelievable speed for a man that size. He he will try to block. He's not very good at it. But He'll I will say He'll be excellent this. at getting in the way. Yeah, sure. Getting in the way is a good way to say what he does. Uh, it's going to be what we wanted, I think, I do think that Kyle Pitts is basically going to be what we wanted out of O.J. Howard uh, as far as a downfield weapon where he's going to, from day one, if he gets drafted by a team like, I said, Atlanta, right, at picking at four, do they want to help out? They already got Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. You add Kyle Pitts to stretch the middle of the field, and it's going to be incredible. I, I think he's going to be – he has the best ball skills of a tight end that I've maybe ever seen.
0: It's, it's that impressive. Yeah. Uh, he- he already has uh, Pro Bowl talent at the tight end position on day one. Uh, it's not just the uh, his catching skills that are there. If you watch some of the, the tape that's out there, his start and stop ability is just unseen for that position, which is why some are calling him more like a Mike Evans type. Oh, yeah, that's uh, a- that he can be more of a, and truly end up being a receiver over a, a tight end with time in the NFL. Uh,
1: his route running is... He is receiver level route running skills. He, he absolutely – he was a quarterback, if I'm not mistaken, in high school. I'm pretty sure he was a quarterback in high school, and you can see it the way he plays. He knows how to get open. He knows how to make himself uh, available to a quarterback. That's the reason Kyle Trask had such a great year, and I don't really think Kyle Trask is particularly good, is Kyle Pitts can catch everything thrown in his way. He has a huge block or a huge radius, and we're going to talk – I don't know if we'll talk about him. I don't like Darius Tony that much, but they had another guy named Kadarius Tony who was a great receiver – and so Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Toney, that's why Florida was great this year. Kyle Pitts, there's very few cornerbacks from day one in the NFL going to be able to guard
0: him one-on-one. I'm, I would love to see him. Honestly, my uh, Dolphins vision would be Pitts at three, Harris at 18. If you want to see what an elite-level RPO offense looks like, think of the the, the base set. If you added, uh, let's say, Curtis Samuel in the free agency. So you have uh, Parker and Samuel at, at receiver. Uh, Samuel still has a four three four four speed to get deep. Huh? You have Pitts and Gesicki at tight end. You can run That's a two right, tight Gisicki. end set with Najee Harris as your running back. That you can split out four wide with those guys. You can come in on a two tight end set. Yeah. Uh, Najee Harris can do either run or uh, or pass. Uh, what what base defense are you putting against that? When you have a two tight end set, if they split out four wide, if you put in like an extra linebacker or something, you can spread them out. I I just love the matchup. It's all about matchup based football anymore.
1: That's what Kyle Pitts is always going to give. And yep. whatever team drafts Kyle Pitts, it's going to be how are you going to deploy him? Because at six, at his size and speed, there's there's no safety going to be able to guard him with his size, and there's no linebacker even have a chance of staying with him as fast as he is. Okay, so at five top five wide receivers, I could go for like an hour on wide receiver because there are that many of them. So some of the guys I'm going to talk about here that just missed this list. Most people are going to talk about Kadarius Toney. I just mentioned he was at Florida. He is an exceptional weapon as far as going side to side at the NFL. Uh, he can get open on the slant, and he can take anything to the house. I have real concerns about Kadarius Toney's hands, though. There are times where he really pucks the ball out of the air, but there are times where he gets really short-armed with the ball. The same could be said, Rondale Moore. Rondale Moore, you may have seen him at Purdue. Uh, he's also very tiny he also can take any touch to the house but we've seen him be hurt for a couple of years dan mentioned tutu at well another guy on that same skill set i think they're all are basically the same and i think they're all going to end up being day two guys although Kadarius tony may sneak into day one as we get into the top five here my number five is Amon ross st brown that's most people probably have him as more of the top 10 type of player but i have st brown number five he is a usc guy uh I don't know what he does bad, honestly. I don't know what he does bad. I, he moves well. He has great route running. He has unbelievable hands, like absurdly good ball skills and hands, I would say. His ability to track the football and get it is just great. And because of that, I think he can be a big play player in the NFL. I, I love Amon Ross St. Brown.
0: I have him at five, and that's higher than most people are going to have him. You're getting at this level when you're going to have a lot of receivers that uh, it's going to be about uh, fit, who you like. Uh, but there's definitely a lot of talent, and we said this is the deepest position in the draft. The top four,
1: though, seems, I don't want to say it's set, but it seems like it's going to be getting closer to a consensus here. And I have Rashad Bateman at four, and you mentioned him earlier. His speed scores or speed numbers his that we day. saw recently was really impressive.
0: Because, 4.31? Yeah, that's, that's really fast for a guy that big. So He was being rated as a possession receiver yeah. until those numbers came in.
1: And he's he was not. I don't know why that people. I hate some of that stuff, but agreed. Uh, like you said, some people say he's Justin Jefferson. He's going to play the slot. No, I don't think he has to play the slot. He he's huge. He runs very well. Excellent. Uh, route Minnesota's runner. offense basically the last couple of years, uh, after Tyler Johnson especially left last year. Last year it was uh, Rashad Bateman is our best option, and we have Mo Ibrahim was a pretty good running back, but everybody knew that they wanted to get the ball to Rashad Bateman. But because he has such a massive catch radius, catch radius, like, they couldn't really stop him. So I would say this. Uh, he's probably the one that I think is, like, compa- like, toughest. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. But, like, I have – if you give the ball in a one-on-one situation, I feel like Rashad Bateman's coming down with that ball most of the time. And he's a very good route runner. It's just a matter of maybe, like, agility, I guess. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. I'm not
0: sure he's as m- mobile – side to side of some of these guys we want to talk about as far as getting open quickly not not as not quite as much of the uh start stop as well as the uh like the the wiggle and that you from out of, out of the yak guys and the that's what we're going to talk catch.
1: about next year the, the number 3 guy on my list i could easily be number 1 i think he's that good i really do think that he has to show that he's back from the ankle problem but Jalen Waddle's is unbelievably good uh, he suffered that right ankle in October and I think he played in like half a dozen snaps in the national championship game. Cause he's super tough, but I don't know why he did that. He really didn't need to, but he can play in the slot. He can play outside. He is unbelievably hard to like a, amazing route runner. He can catch anything. He is so fast. We have seen him return multiple punts. So he has that type of big play ability. If there is a Tyree kill in this class, it is Jalen Waddle. That, that is the one player that could be that, uh, he, he's amazing, I think.
0: Yeah, I, uh, health is, is the only thing that's uh, uh, preventing him from this discussion, but with time now, he's coming up into it. Uh, and uh, I'm curious, actually, who you have number two, because that'll tell me who you have number one.
1: I still put Jamar Chase at two, okay. although I do think Jamar Chase is going to get picked first. I still put Jamar Chase at two. We didn't see Jamar Chase last year. He opted out. So we've seen basically one year out of him. It was the true sophomore year where he's set records right he set the sec record for receiving yards and touchdowns with joe burrow as his quarterback and he's shredded he has unbelievable his technique the reason that justin jefferson got labeled as a slot player was because jamar chase was so good on the outside that justin jefferson did play a lot of the slot for lsu but it wasn't because he couldn't move outside it's just a matter of you've seen chase one time with an unbelievable offense with the number one player in the in the draft like joe burrow as his quarterback um he has great athleticism I don't know how polished he is. I just wish it was a larger sample. Now, that being said, he's the number two player in this draft. I think that Jamar Chase from day one could start as a, a primary receiver for a team. I think that you could get DeAndre Hopkins out of Jamar Chase, and I wouldn't be shocked out of that.
0: Like I said, I, it's going to be a matter of fit. If you're looking for a guy who's who uh, has the the full height weight that you're looking for, uh, they can be outside. You can move them inside. Who can cover all all three uh, receiver positions? I, yeah, th- th- this is the the prototype that is there. I, like you said, there's just it's been a year, uh, but the the record setting numbers that he produced with Burrow again does make me wonder if he's available at five. Uh, I, I can't say I used to say Cincinnati was a slam dunk for an offensive lineman. I am not hundred percent sure if he's on the board. If that's necessarily a slam dunk yet. I I
1: honestly hadn't even thought of Jamar Chase to Cincinnati, but it it does make sense. They have Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green's a free agent, right? So, Mm -hmm. yeah, he would certainly replace A.J. Green as the primary receiver in that offense. My number one is Devonta Smith. Heisman winner. The Heisman winner, Devonta Smith. The best year I've ever seen. He is is not the physical specimen that Jamar Chase is, though. That's the difference, right? Jamar Chase, if you look at him on field, looks like a other world talent. He is, I don't know, 6'2", maybe, and shredded Devonta smith is probably barely six feet tall and he might weigh 175 pounds but he is an otherworldly route runner like his ability to get open is i've i texted you in the middle of the season multiple times like Devonta smith is marvin harrison like he is a pro bowl hall of fame level route runner with absurd hands he catches everything he can run the entire route tree he can run short and get open he can run to the middle routes and get open and he can run deep at his size and get open because he is unbelievably fast even though people don't give him enough credit for how fast he was uh i would say yeah. for his size he is dominant at the catch point like he's going to have a hard time i suppose against super large cornerbacks like i'm not sure if he if that he'll can be able do to get off the well. line. like that can press him well now can he work That's on his release number. that that is the only way that i see him getting stopped in the nfl otherwise you could t- if you told me that he came into the first year in this league and you, had to, you could put him in the slot. I know you could put him in the slot, and he's going to get open immediately. Like, at worst, he's going to be an unbelievable slot option. At best, you put him opposite a player like, uh, like okay, I don't want to see Jamar Chase. You put him opposite of Devontae Adams. Now, I know he's not going to fall to the Packers, but you put him where you have a primary X receiver, and you let him play, or a primary Z, and you let him play the X. Matchup-based. There you move is him around. no cornerback in the NFL going to be able to hang with this guy. I, I Multifaceted, we've seen him return punts yep. for touchdowns, too, so... People say, oh, he's not super explosive. No, he is. Like, he can get open. He absolutely destroyed Ohio State in the national championship game. It was a one-man show. All season, he looked amazing.
0: And it needs to be stated that he did this against first-round secondary talents, guys who are now producing well in the NFL as cornerbacks. And the SEC, uh, he is battle-tested. It's
1: always been with him. Okay, but he plays in Alabama, so he doesn't get the focus. There's Jerry Judy. There's Henry Ruggs. There's Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddell got hurt. Everybody knew the ball was going to Devonta Smith or Najee Harris, and he just kept getting open. He torched people all season long. If If he was 30 pounds heavier, there'd be no doubt in my mind that he would be the top receiver in this draft. He would go in the top five picks. I don't know how big he is. I don't know if he weighs 170 pounds dripping wet. He might not weigh that much. But I've seen... I've never seen. I I just can't say that. I've never seen a player that has that gets that open when everybody knows he's getting the ball and he never drops anything. His hands are absurdly good. You give him to me in the top five, and I would feel great about that all day.
0: I don't know if if Waddle gets into the top five like overall pick conversation. Uh, it's it's just the injuries is enough that's going to keep that out. But I think it's going to be interesting to see who goes first. I'm throwing Kyle Pitts into this mix, and you have Devontae yeah. Smith, you have Jamar Chase, and you have Kyle Pitts, and I can't say right now uh, which one will be picked first. It's it's gonna
1: like it's gonna be a fit thing. Uh, the Dolphins they have Devontae Parker. If you trust Devontae Parker, Jamar Devonte Smith is great, right? But like you said, you trade Kyle Pitts and. He's probably a foot taller and weighs 100 pounds more than Devonta Smith, and you, that's a weapon that you can't do. And then Jamar Chase is maybe in the middle. I said, Jamar Chase, you could tell me that you get DeAndre Hopkins, and I would say that's, that's believable, right? A, a guy that could come in, you might have to double team him from day one. He could be that good. And so I, I, it's hard to say that there's a bad pick. If, if either any of those guys
0: go in the top 10, it's hard to say it's a bad pick. No team is going to be unhappy getting any of these players. No. So with that, there's the, the top five uh, at the, the, the big board is, is here to you know uh, a bit of background on the players that are uh, going to be talked about for the next couple of months and leading into the mock drafts uh, and uh, getting to that time. Uh, we will have another uh, uh, NFL Draft podcast when we get to uh, draft weekend We'll have uh, or the week before. Uh, we will have our official mock draft that we'll throw out there, and then we'll have our, our recap uh, uh, podcast as well. Uh, So uh, enjoy the uh, – there's plenty of mock draft coverage to be found. Uh, enjoy uh, Enjoy it to your heart's content, and we'll talk to you a week of the NFL draft. Welcome back to the 1983 National Football League Draft. And with the first round pick, Don Elway, Jim Kelly. Welcome back to the draft. draft. And with the first round pick, Dan Marino, I really NFL Draft. And with the first round pick, Deion Sanders. I
1: was kind of scared. I thought the show was going to take me. I would ask for so much money that I had to put me on layaway. Welcome back to the NFL Draft. Good young players with the drafts all about. You're in and you're out. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round, Nick Aaron Rodgers, yeah. welcome back to
0: the NFL Draft. I never say anything like this.